Trash. Trash. Welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is a rapper, singer, producer, editor, graphic designer, fucking uh, uh, cosmonaut of the 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 other world, the underworld, the spirit world, a spiritual traveler, uh, an ardent traveler. Uh, his name is the Kaleidoscope Kid. He is a fantastic artist. And I, I really, really am digging his music. He, he, uh, he has like a really cool sound that he's sort of baked up on his own. And uh, man, he has a great story. In this podcast, we talk a lot about you know the the, the spiritual journey. The he he tells an amazing story about the first time he ever took peyote in the fucking desert. Uh, it, it's incredible, which I will probably chop up into its own video on. Uh, on YouTube once this all comes out, which is today on Friday. <laughs> uh, he has a new album coming out today. Yes, today, Friday, April 22nd, 2022. His new album is a self-titled debut, so go out and check it out. There is a link in the show notes directly to the album, so go check it out. I wish I could play a song on the show, but you guys know how it goes with this copyright bullshit. Uh, anyways, uh, he is he is signed to a label called Sub Noise Records. They have or Suburban Noise Records. And they have the the they have acts like the Cottonmouth Kings, the Long Beach Dub All Stars, Mickey Avalon, just to name a few, just off the top of my memory. Uh, all amazing artists, and he is a great addition to that family. Uh, I, I really, again, I really dig his music. I really enjoyed our conversation. I just thought that you know he. He's the type of dude that you just let him go, and he goes, and he's just a really smart dude, and I, I really appreciated all that he shared with us. So I, I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so Kaleidoscope Kid is coming up soon, but first, go to rainymystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and go check out her latest song called The Titty Jiggle, and she's going to have an EP coming out soon as well. But it's to be announced, I suppose. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Raina streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Raina Mystique. You can go find her on uh, Twitch four days a week, Mondays through Thursdays, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Speaking of Twitch, come the fuck over and Come hang out with us on twitch.tv slash we speak English good. We usually stream on Mondays and Fridays, but I'm actually trying to pick up the streaming a little bit more, do a little bit more solo streams where I have music news. You might have 
heard some episodes a couple times back, you know, where we're just covering the news. And I'll probably be doing more of that in the future, releasing it here on the audio. Uh, it's been good get been getting a decent reception on YouTube, which decent means like 20 views. <laughs> All of our downloads and listens come from the audio stream. So or this right here, the, the audio version of the podcast. So I do appreciate you guys. But uh, go check out my YouTubes and the Twitches and stuff. So twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Go out and get yourself some. If you want to support the show monetarily, go and check out out our threadless stores we speak english good.threadless.com make sure you go and pick out a nice uh outfit with my face on it or with we speak english good on it it's good times over there get yourself a mug with my mug on it a mug of my mug go get some it's tight it's beautiful tight t-shirts baby you can also go like subscribe review like us on twitter instagram tiktok uh, the, the 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 discords the rumbles it's all there go click on the links in the show notes and support your boy so you can stay up to date on all the things that we got going on upcoming guests uh you know clips from the show all kinds of good fucking times over there you can also subscribe to us on apple itunes follow us on spotify you can subscribe on youtube and or twitch you can also go ahead and and uh, leave us a review. Now, this is a very free thing that is super helpful for the show. If you like what we're doing here, please go and give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Write us a review. We'll read it on air. You can also rate us on the Spotify. And that's way easier than leaving a review on Apple iTunes. So give us a five-star on Spotify. Do it! God damn it, do it! Okay. Uh... <laughs> Uh, you can write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. I started uploading more videos to my take lessons, so go over to takelessons.com. You can find my name. I put a link in the show note to my profile so you can go and start learning cool little licks and blues licks and stuff. Every time you click on a video, we get paid. Uh, it's unlike YouTube. It, and plus, there is a 30-day, I think it's 15-day um, free uh, lessons. So if you go in there, you can sign up and get, you could take, take classes, take lessons. Uh, it's mostly for the take lessons live side of it. So you can go and take lessons on, on, you know, how to speak Japanese, um, how to sing, how to sew. I think there's all kinds of crazy stuff on there. So go to our take lessons profile, the links in the show notes and go support and get yourself some free lessons. Expand your mind, baby techlessons.com go and get yourself some uh okay so i think that is everything again i want to make sure that you guys know kaleidoscope kids the self-titled album comes out today there's a link in the in the in the show notes so go and fucking knock yourself cold with these fucking hot beats coming from the kaleidoscope kid uh, okay, so that I think that's it. Today on the stream, we have Mythic Politics at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. He'll be on the show, and we'll be t- probably talking about conspiracies. That's it, you know, conspiracies, good times, bad times, all the time. So uh, tune in for that. That's going to be a good time. Twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Okay, that is enough out of me. I love you guys. I'll see you on this other side for a little wrap-up. And uh, enjoy the Kaleidoscope Kid. Hey, 
you were in the studio burning the midnight oil. How how did the session go? It was a good session. It was great. Uh, uh, had some good people in there, so can't complain. Yeah. Now, do you work a lot with producers? And do you work with a lot of? Uh, uh, how how do you go about like writing and stuff? What is your what is your method? I'm pretty um, I'm pretty to myself. Like I produce all my own beats and record myself, mix myself, wow. all that stuff. So uh, so a lot of times when I'm in the studio with other people, uh, it's more like on the production side. Like I'll be helping out with them, or uh, you know, just there to help engineer and things like that. So that's dope, man. How long have you been into engineering and mixing and stuff like that? Because that that takes that that takes some skill especially the production like you know like watermelon kisses is that your production yeah yeah holy shit yeah. man i really fucking dig it man that is really cool but how long you been doing it um so like when i when i first started uh making music it was probably like seven or eight years ago i picked up the guitar and i wanted to you know write some write some music and i didn't know where to get beats so i was like All right, i'm just gonna make some uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh and it just uh it's interesting because i was making beats out of the necessity yes but the focus was so on the lyricism that when i got to five or six years down the road i was like damn without even kind of putting any intention to it i felt like i'd really developed as a producer as in in a lot of the the musical realms so yeah you know i mean i hear a lot of old school beats going on old school hip-hop i hear a lot of uh new new stuff too like uh you know like like lo-fi uh, i mean what what are some of your influences as a producer um i mean i i feel like i'm really like um uh, like I follow my curiosity a lot of the times. And so, um, so I feel like I'm never trying to just do one thing. I'm always just bouncing around, whether it's like making hip hop stuff over here or making like punk stuff over here or making folk stuff over here. So, uh, like I just love I've ne I, any instrument that gets put in front of me. I'm like, yeah, let's mess around with it. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, man. And, and like, uh, it's cool that you've, that you sort of only been in it for just a few years. It's like you said seven or eight years. I mean, you know, it sounds like you put in a lot of time in those years. I mean, I know musicians, you know, guitarists will start out and, and they're three years in and they're hitting jazz runs and shit. But it, it, I mean, it really is about how much time and effort you put into your craft. I mean, if you're if you're sitting there obsessing every fucking day, you know, all day, every day, you're going to get far quickly. So you, like it's really funny when you see people who like I've been playing guitar for 25 years and they're still like and, and I'm not shitting on people and their abilities but like they're not holding it right they're fucking you know and it's just like well you've been playing it for 25 years but you have you been like learning have you been you know working on the skill I mean what, what are you like watching TV and and just like plunking around like I don't you know like it, it really is about the focus and the intent of what you're trying to do was that yeah. you was that what you were doing yeah I uh um I so when I picked up the guitar it was probably like uh, a month or two I remember I picked it up and I was like all right I'm gonna learn a song all the way through learn how to sing it and play it and it was Pink Floyd, wish you were here. Nice. And so I learned that one song and I was like, all right, I could write a song. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I just started like kind of uh, messing around with that. And then it was probably about two months after I uh, really started to like just fall in love with the guitar that I ended up getting really fucking sick. 
Um, I ended up in the hospital for like five days. They did not know what was going to happen to me. And, um, and in that there was like, uh, uh, I was diagnosed with this. I was diagnosed with, uh, an autoimmune disease, but they really didn't know what it was. They gave me this kind of symptomatic diagnosis. Like, well, it might be this, it might be that, but like the antibiotics and things we're giving you are helping right now, keep you alive. And, uh, you need to go, you know, see a rheumatologist or do this, that, and the other. But when I got out of the hospital, I had like a month of recovery and, uh, a lot of what had happened to me, um, it, it was, my body was eating itself from the inside out. And so a lot of, I couldn't, uh, I could hardly eat food, uh, let alone like uh, sing or do things like that. So I, and I, I was like not able to sleep much and things like that. There was just a lot of stress going on. And so I would pick up the guitar and I would just write, uh, write in my journal, write songs and stuff like that. And anytime I pick up the guitar, all the pain, all the, you know, thinking in the future, thinking in the past went away. It was just like, I was present right there. So I always say that's where it transitioned from being a hobby to being an obsession. Like it became an obsession. Yeah. I mean, it it has to be, if you want to, if you want to do something, you know, like people, people think of like obsessed as something as a, there's a negative connotation, right? But I, I, I definitely believe that as long as you're directing that energy into something useful or, or positive and obsession is a very useful thing. Now, people can go a little far where it's like they don't eat and like, you know, not shower. And they're just like, I got to get this masterpiece done, you know? And it's just like, you know, they ignore family, ignore yeah. friends, you know, become reclusive. And so it can sort of transform into something that is negative, even if you are putting totally. your energy into something positive. Um, it, so, but, but I really like the, that idea that you say it is presence, you know, like, um, it's really weird when when I'm performing, you know, like an hour set goes by, like you look around like, oh, shit, you know, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, so it really does bring you to the present. It really does. That That's a beautiful thing that I feel like a lot is missing. Do you, do you meditate at all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I grew up uh, doing Shaolin Kung Fu uh, and uh, Jiu Jitsu and all these things. So from the time I was a little kid, I was always meditating. And uh, as I got older... Uh, it's something that still stuck with me a lot. Like I, I definitely, I journal a lot. I meditate a lot. And uh, yoga for me is kind of like a, a moving meditation as well. You yeah, know what I mean? Really sure. focusing on things like that. But yeah, definitely uh, important to set aside that time for myself. Wow. What now? Um, do you do you do like a, um, a mantra or like how, what is sort of, how do you, what's your method of it? Of, of a, lo- a lot of it is, um, uh, kind of, uh, that I do have a few mantras, but uh, something that I've been really uh, uh, felt like connected to over the past year has been um, the Wim Hof breathing exercises. I'm not sure if you're yeah, familiar with the that. The Iceman? Is that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and doing uh, the breathwork exercises, really, uh, the way that they, they looked at it when they were measuring people's brains or whatever, it was like, uh, what would take people who have been practicing meditation kind of transcendental meditation and stuff for years, you could get to the same, uh, uh, brain wavelengths. Like I can't remember it's gamma or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. pretty much you could get to the same state as they were within, you know, which is these breathing exercises and things. And so there's such like a physiological, uh, process when you go through it and stuff that afterwards, um, it's like you can't deny it. Sometimes you'll meditate and you'll be like, well, I just sat there. But when you do that and you get done, you're like, 
I am very clear right now, very here, very much like in my body, not in my thinking mind, like things like that. So, so that's been something that's really been helping me. I feel like. Yeah, that 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 dude's wild, man. That dude, that dude is wild. Like, what did he do? He like climbed um, what was it? Mount Everest. Mount Everest. Shorts, flip flops, pretty much. That is fucking like who the fuck <laughs> in, in in flip flops and shorts is, is climbing Mount Everest? It's like, <laughs> and it's just like he's like, I'm just breathing, bro. I'm just breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That is so beyond like um. That just seems so superhuman, and it's it, it's very interesting that uh, that's the thing that you sort of you sort of latched onto. How did you come across uh, uh, Wim Hof? Um, damn, I don't even know. I I, I I've always been like um, uh, I I was living in out of my truck pretty much in the middle of the woods for a long time uh, out in Sedona, Arizona. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I, am. I was uh, so like Sedona. I was there for a long time. I was in Maui living on an abandoned pineapple field out there for a while, just doing stuff. And so um, I've always been kind of around eccentric people. Right. Uh, As as much as I I would not call myself a hippie or things like that, I've been around that kind of, uh, you know, thing. So uh, people have put me on. And when I got sick, uh, I had this uh, autoimmune disease. Um, It was it was to the point where um, they were going to pretty much put me on infusions of me- what's known as methotrexate, which mm-hmm. is like a low dose of chemotherapy, a variation mm-hmm. of it because the body was attacking itself so drastically that um, like the way I put it is like when a dog gets parvo, they don't necessarily die from parvo. They die because they can't eat, they can't drink, they can't hold anything down. So they eventually just become so malnourished. Um, yeah. And that's what, that's what was going on with me is that, the it was so destructive that um it was like uh like if you've ever burned yourself and get like a little like water blister kind of thing yeah or you, and you get in the shower it stings you know what i mean it burns mm-hmm. these essentially when uh when i got checked in the hospital they said you had a third degree burn on the entire mucous membrane of your body so it was through my through my entire mouth through my throat into my uh internal organs it was through my ears on my eyes and then after it had kind of done a lot of damage, like it had done some irreversible damage to my eyes. I lost a lot of it, like my bit, my capacity to see. And then once it uh, kind of like had taken over the inside, it started to consume the outside as well. So if you can imagine, it was really hard to drink, even water. Uh, it was like kind of like, all right, like to put it down. And I was taking, I, there was uh, probably like at least a two, three week period where I was living off of uh, fluids because I couldn't consume anything as well. And then when I could start eating again, very uh, limited amount, I would go get like uh, those little like squeeze um, pouches of baby food and just shoot them down and just try and get past the pain for a moment. Uh, so, so, so that, I, I've seen my parents uh, deal with autoimmune diseases and things over the years and have, you know, uh, this pharmacopoeia of medicine in front of them that they have to take and these shots and stuff. And I was not trying to go down that route. And so I was like, well, if, 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 uh, if this thing kills me, it's going to kill me, but I'm going to go uh, uh, in, in Sedona. There's a lot of resources for people who have different forms of, uh, you know, like holistic approaches to things. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine, actually introduced me to this guy, uh, Daniel Vitalis, who has a podcast called Rewild Yourself. And in it, 
he was talking about all these elixirs, like these crazy elixirs, like stuff that you would never even hear of. You know, you're like, what kind of berry is that? What kind of thing is that? Like, what herb is that? And uh, one of them was, uh, it was called reishi mushroom. This was like five or six years ago. Nowadays, in, in the past five or six years, it's become a lot more popularized. You see it in like coffee drinks. You see it in, yeah. uh, in uh, certain supplements and things like that. And um, in Chinese medicine, it's known as the mushroom of immortality. But uh, how he described it was it was an autoimmune system re-educator. So whether your immune system was too high or too low, it would give your body the intelligence that it needed to kind of balance itself out again. And, uh, I was like, I, 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 I took some, uh, I had another flare up, uh, a few months later and I, they had given me some prescriptions and stuff like that. And I was like still seeking alternatives. And I tried the reishi mushroom and within like three days, it had accomplished what was taking the medicine like weeks to do. And, uh, I, I was in disbelief uh, really. And also in the, uh, in the podcast, he had talked about mushrooms, fungus of any type when they're combined with vitamin C, for some reason, your body is easy. Uh, it's more, more readily available, the nutrients of the mushrooms. So like it's eight to 10 times more absorbable than, uh, without the vitamin C. So he recommended this berry called camu camu berry, which is extremely high in vitamin C. And so I was taking the vitamin C, the camu camu berry and the ratio mushrooms. And uh, I remember like having that moment where I realized that it was doing what it was supposed to. And I was like, what can't mushrooms do? Like they, they <laughs> yeah. like I was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that was such a significant moment for me that it's, it opened me up to, to always like uh, kind of, kind of staying tuned into, uh, you know, different, different forms of uh, what I'm not into like, reiki or this that and the other but like what what the earth can provide us and these things that are here around us i think is very incredible you know yeah well i mean when you think about it we are of the earth right we are one with the earth like we that's where we come from we're just we're just stardust right just fucking we've all we've all just come from this the same place same thing so it only makes sense that what what can uh what can heal us comes from it as well um, yep. and I have a big mistrust too with the pharma pharmaceutical industry. I mean, like yeah. you know, like fuck Pfizer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck all of them. And and they have so they, they've just that you know that they've it's been so apparent that they've lied and they've they've hurt people through their medicine. Their their trials and are always fucked up. And, and brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Pay me. Thank you, Raina. Yeah, that was clutch. That was, <laughs> that was I forgot that I had that. <laughs> that was so good. I was like, how'd you pull that one out? Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, Pfizer, for uh, <laughs> for sponsoring this show. Go fuck yourself, Pfizer. You can eat a dick. Um <laughs> No, no, but 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 for real, like I I do I do believe that you know a lot of these, and, and not to say that not that that these drug companies don't have drugs that help people, you know what I mean? Because they do, but but yeah. I I see why you have such a mistrust, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like especially when you said you've seen your parents go through what you kind of were going through, and you you know you didn't want to go down that road. I never did either, uh, and then I, and then I submitted to uh, antidepressants. So, but they helped, and so like that's yeah. why I have to say it's like you know it's not all bad, but it definitely is. There is a lot of shadiness. There's a lot of shitty sides yeah. to that industry that uh, you know it, it, 
I, I the can money, it, it's, it make it causes just your values to not like always be there. I feel like right, money, money is the money is yeah. that that driving it's, force. Yeah, I, yeah, it is a case by case situation, but uh, Reyna, but it, yeah, it it definitely is because everybody's body's different. Everybody's body yep. responds to different chemicals. So, uh, you know, like that's I think that's amazing that you're able to take the reishi mushroom and, and find you know some solace in that. So, a Sedona. Now, I'm familiar with Sedona. Now, is Sedona the place where people are, uh, where, where there's like they do, uh, like, will they talk to the dead and like have sort of, uh, there's like this weird energy there that sort of draws people. There's a lot of, uh, is that is that the place? Uh, yeah, it's vortexes and yes. a lot of crystal shops and people you know past life regressions and and reiki and all sorts of stuff like that you know so yeah, so, yeah. that that's fucking that's awesome man i i know there's like another place in florida that sort of has that sort of energy that draws people there too um there's this band called bright eyes um uh, if you're i don't know if you're familiar with them but definitely heard the name um they 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 had a what was the name of the album but they had this album where they're talking about where where the guy uh connor oberst the lead singer sort of uh he went on this pil pilgrimage to like these different places that were known for these different energies and uh in sedona and then this i can't remember what the fuck the place is in florida but but there's another place in florida you know just traveling around just sort of trying to you know seek you know just finding musicians like yourself you 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 ended up in maui which is interesting yeah. what how, how do you how do you end up in maui on, on an abandoned we, pineapple farm <laughs> we were uh, uh my girlfriend and i at the time we were living in sedona and we had been there for like two or three years and we were like let's just go do something new. Even when we moved to Sedona, it was like, we went up there one time and at, originally I was going up there to collect spring water. There's a lot of fresh springs out there. Nice. So there was, uh, I was really interested in getting living water and water that was, you know, uh, uh, coming out of these, uh, out of these interesting places as well. Cause it's beautiful to just go there. Yeah. And uh, we went up there and we took LSD one time and we were like, we need to move here. Uh, and so <laughs> we just made it happen. We, uh, we got like a really little trailer, like where, you know, your hand touches the ceiling and it's like a little sardine can. And uh, we lived out there for a minute and then we got kicked out of that place because people were just always on psychedelics and doing crazy shit around there. <laughs> and so, so it was, it, we were there for a little bit. Then we lived in the, lived in our truck on different, uh, there's a lot of dispersed camping sites around there outside of Sedona. Mm -hmm. So, so we would just go out there, you know, camp out there every day, set up a tent in a new spot, go, go on, you know, head on the North side of it, head on the South side of it. And there's just, there's a, uh, there's a huge change in elevation. So like you go get up to Flagstaff up North and it turns into just pine trees and snow during the winter. Yeah. And then further South, it's more of the desert with these red rocks and stuff uh, like the that. The rim, so, right? That's what they go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it was beautiful. And then um, uh, with, when we went to Maui, we had, saved up some money you know it's like you're not spending too much money if you don't have bills for a house payment and stuff like right. that so and we were working and doing our stuff out there and uh we were like let's go to maui she was interested in taking some yoga uh, classes out there some different uh to get certified in some different ones and we shipped our car out on a boat and we took our dog on the plane with us he sat right next to us and uh, uh flew out to maui and like well let's see what happens and so uh, it was kind of, uh, it was a very humbling experience. It's the cost of living out there is ridiculous. 
Um, and so we were camping on the beaches for the first month or so. And then we ended up finding this, uh, this older lady. She, I don't know where she found this place, but it was like, a, I mean, probably like eight foot by eight foot shack with three walls and a mosquito net on the front. And, uh, it, and it had like a, a water tank and a septic, a little septic tank down there. Like, um, which was mainly for, you know, like you, she was, don't, she's like, don't use it a lot, but uh, <laughs> it's there if you need it. Yeah. And we found that place and I think it was $700 a month. Jesus. And, uh, she was like, can you watch my cat? And so it was like this, <laughs> you had to, it was on the road to Hana all the way out, uh, like pretty much in the jungle at that part. There's not a lot of houses and things out there. And you go to this dirt road, unlock this gate, drive like a mile on this dirt road. And, um, uh, there's that little shack and there was one other uh, uh, house down below where there were some crazy people who lived there, some really cool people, but just like out there. And uh, it was on the, you would walk out, out uh, probably like a quarter mile, a half mile on this pineapple field. And it was an abandoned dull pineapple field. And it would go to the edge of these cliffs. And in front of it is a really iconic surf spot called Jaws. Mm -hmm. And the waves there are some of the biggest waves in the world. So we'd walk out there uh, and just eat dinner and watch these just giant waves and uh, uh, hang out. And uh, uh, we were there for probably like five, six months. And I was like, yo, and I was, I was just kind of getting into the music and it was starting to just have a, a little bit more uh, importance in my life. Like it was like, okay, there's something in here. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this if I'm in Maui. Like I have to be on the mainland. If I have a show, I need to go over here. You know, as much as I just want to be off the grid and not have to deal with anything, like this is pulling me more than that is. And I need to follow it. So that resulted in us moving back to Sedona. And, uh, uh, but yeah, Maui was really uh, a humbling moment for sure. It, 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 it like put all of my strengths and my weaknesses right out in front of me and no nowhere for them to hide uh kind of thing and so it was it was it was fucking cool for sure so in which way were they putting your strengths and weaknesses i i you know i know you said that uh it was nowhere for them to hide but like in which way like uh like it was like when i was in sedona i was comfortable and then when i got out there and I think that the, at, at, in like the metaphysical perspective, the way what I related it to is because like in the cities and stuff like this, this idea of permanence, um, it, this false sense of permanence, like you go to the store every day and the, the buildings look the same, the streets look the same, and this looks the same. And it kind of takes away the idea that we're always changing as people and things like that. It gives you this false sense of that. And so when you're out in Maui, the trails are changing every day because everything's growing constantly and things like that. So it really reminds you of your impermanence in a way. Mm. And I think there's almost like an energy there that kind of like, it's like when you're there, uh, uh, you, you have to be like, it's gonna, it, it's, yeah, it's wild. But it was, it was definitely like uh, uh, not what I expected. Like when I moved to Sedona, it was a big thing. And so when I went to Maui, I was like, oh, we'll be fine. And I got out there and I was like, yo, this is not, this is, this is hard. I used to have to walk a mile on that dirt road to get to the Hana Highway and then skate three miles on my skateboard down the Hana Highway, like next to cars, just to get to the bus stop, to take the bus back into town to go to work uh, for 10, 12 hours a day at a produce market and then go back home. So it was like, 
and then I'd I'd go I'd probably once a week get to go to the laundromat and go to the go to the public pool and take a shower with a bunch of old dudes just chilling there and stuff. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, all right, we're in it. Yeah, we, we asked for it. <laughs> That's deep, son. That is deep. Yeah. Fucking yeah. skateboarding. I mean. Uh, I, I like all of like the islands and stuff they they everyone sort of moves slow anyways like you know so it's not like the the cars are flying but but i mean 50 even 50 miles an hour on a skateboard imagine that, like jackfruit on the ground and chickens oh, running yeah. across the street like it's <laughs> yeah no that that's wild that's wild no, I, the other day i was watching my friend she was uh she was streaming her um her ride into work in, in south korea and fucking she's just on the autobahn just just and these big ass fucking big ass buses and these big ass semis are just flying by her and there's like no bike lane and she's oh just like do 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 and I'm, like it was nerve-wracking just to watch her <laughs> ride her fucking bike to 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 work it, it was oh my god it, yeah you know what man cuz I, I i used to live in san diego and I had to, uh, I, I had to do some bike riding because our car broke, and is like, fuck, gotta go to work, gotta make that dollar. So uh, I would be, it, it'd be the same situation, but I stayed off the fucking freeways. But it was still like, uh, luckily, San Diego is a bike friendly city, so there was a lot of opportunity to go on bike paths and stuff. But Jesus Christ, people don't give a shit about anybody on the road. It, it and like every day you would hear a new thing, a new reported on the newscast. Like uh, it would go down. It was like another biker is fucking killed just by like someone taking a left turn, and that's it. You yeah. know, it's like Jesus Christ. It, no respect. No respect yeah. to pedestrians. The road to Hano was cool because like everybody out there, like there's no such thing as time out there. Like, yeah. There, it, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And everybody's really very nice. Like I would skate every day, and s at least one person would stop. Like you need a ride, man. Hop in the truck or something like that. That's you dope. know what I mean? Or, or something, something. So it was. It was cool. A lot of the times people were just, I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'm dropping off at the bus station. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Did you, did you experience any, um, oh, did, did anybody call you like Howley or anything? Did you experience any kind of stuff like that? No, I, I think I don't drink alcohol. And I think mm. that like, I could imagine if I was at the bars or things right. like that, I might run into it, but I was at work and then I was at home or like hiking or doing stuff like that. So I was not very social in that, in that respect. And mm. then, uh, anytime I would be around people would be like some people jamming on their guitars in like a parking lot and I'd walk up and play some stuff. So I feel like it was like, Oh cool. Like at the music level, they're relating it you know, yeah. like that. So thankfully I never experienced that. One of the things out there that was crazy to me was I saw, um, like just the way, like there, first off, there's a lot of uh, drug use out there, like, mm. which was unexpected like every day i'd take the bus somebody's asking if i got something you know, <laughs> if i need something what kind and of then, drugs i mean everything like from mm. like weed to meth to heroin mm. to perks to whatever you know Jesus. and so uh uh and then i there there's like there's a lot of tension out there too because of almost the colonization of it with like these huge buildings of you know the white man coming in and doing this so yeah. um and then it being the cost of living is just ridiculous. And so people born there are almost born into this really vicious circle. Right. So you can, it's, it's, uh, I'm from Arizona and it reminded me of like, you know, some of the things that are dealt with on the reservation and stuff like that, that my friends talk about. And so it was like, uh, that focused into an Island. And it was like, it was, it, it, it was opened my heart to new perspectives for sure. And it was like, wow, like I almost don't even feel right being here. 
you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, in that sense. Yeah. No, I, I feel that. I, I, I had, I had a gig in, uh, Honolulu and, and I know Honolulu is way more just, uh, just in, infected with tourists and stuff like yeah. that. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very nice, but you did sort of see the, the blight and the, and the, and the, what, what, what uh, gentrification, I guess, I guess a massive yeah. gentrification can do to a local population. And yeah. it, it, and it is weird, you know, it is strange to see like, like, because it, it wasn't that fucking long ago that we sort of rocked up in there and just was like, hey, this is ours now. <laughs> this yep. is, no, thank crazy. you. So, yeah. you know, that, that they're, they're just a couple generations removed from that now. And so, like, there is this resentment. And you can feel that tension. You can feel that. Re uh, what's up, Moving Dutchman? Welcome in, buddy. Good to see you. Um, but yeah, the so, so how were you working with music? I mean, did you have electricity in your shack? Yeah, we got, uh, we bought a, we bought a generator huh. and uh so we had a generator out there and we had like a little uh like a like a convection oven you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. and a little refrigerator that we would just run for a few hours of the day and just keep it closed and try and we would be very mindful of how we bought food and, and things like that mm. but um and then like i'd go to work and charge everything up and that would usually like get us through the night and stuff yeah. like that too and download some movies or something like that if we wanted to watch something when we got back because we're no way we're having service out there <laughs> that kind of thing wow so Cartagena, moving Dutchman. Thank you so much for gift subbing, uh, uh, Cartagena. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. you, 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 generous you, moving Mexican. Thank you so much for being here, buddy. I appreciate that. I'm gonna give you some Gandalf. Oh no! English good TV. I'm your announcer, Sir Ian McKellen. Now <laughs> please put your hands together for your host with the most. <laughs> Mike E. Downloading e. movies. You're damn right, Moving Dutchman. We're downloading movies. Dude, that's a wild way to live, man. That is that is crazy. So so how was your um so how so you were working on music as well as working 10 hour days and traveling back and forth and I was writing a lot of music out mm -hmm. there, and it's so funny looking back because all the music that I wrote while I was out there was probably some of the, like the most uh angry and dark kind of music i made like i felt like i was really um it was almost like a purge yeah. like it was like pulling it out of me like i there was days walking to work where i was just so frustrated and so pissed off and just like uh writing on my phone the whole time you know what i mean or like and uh so it, it's interesting you think you know you think you'd make some like dope beautiful inspiring music but looking back a lot of the songs i don't think any of them are out they were out, but I took a lot of stuff down. Oh, really? But, uh, but, um, so, so, and, and, uh, but looking back at those songs, they're definitely like not what I expected to make going out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so then you, you decided that you, your pursuit of music was more than just, you know, living on an island and <laughs> dodging fucking jackfruit and shit. Yeah. Uh, so, so you moved back to Sedona and when did you really start sort of digging into your craft and like, you know, start producing and, and really, you know, really taking that step like, Hey, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to pursue yeah yeah when i got back out to sedona i had this really great setup um 
in uh, like I talked about in between uh, Sedona and the rim right there, there's this place called Oak Creek Canyon and it's really kind of isolated. Like there's not a lot of, there's a few resorts and things out there, but, and maybe like a, you know, like a patch of houses here that are really nice houses, like million dollar houses and stuff. And so I had, a, I got a job out there um, at this place. It was called Butterfly Garden Inn and they had, 20 log cabins and it was like this bed and breakfast people would come stay it had been there for over 100 years really beautiful aesthetic Gosh. and the guy who owned the canyon uh, owned it was yeah that slide rock that was three miles down the street from my house right there and then yeah exactly i lived right in the middle of that canyon oh right shit yeah so that's that's where i was and uh he owned so if you look at the rim on the right side of that there's another rim right on the left side the oh. property he owned went from rim to rim so we had no neighbors all around us. The creek's right in front of our house. If you walk out in the front yard, you could just go get lost in the woods. You walk in the backyard, same thing. So um, so when I was out there, it was like uh, he – I was working for him for a little bit, and he had employee housing it, which is, you know, oh, something. Oh, yeah, it's sick. And he kind of became like uh, – he, he really uh, – like I have a great – father but he he really was like a father figure as well someone mm. who uh, was kind of like that mentor who was just very grounded person uh and genuinely cared for people and he uh he was like yeah uh like you've been such an asset to the team like you kick ass like uh i have a house that's opening up if you would be interested in staying there and uh i was like yeah and at first we worked it out to where it was like a hundred dollars a week or something what? and after like a month he was like dude, don't even worry about it. Like you're, you do so much stuff. He's like, what the, the exchange was kind of like, here's a key. Here's a set of keys for the whole property. I just need you to be on call when I'm gone in the evening. So if somebody needs something in their, you know, their toilets clogged, they need some, uh, a pilot light turned back on in one of the cabins or this, that, and the other. Uh, so he didn't have to do that all the time. And so I was like, yeah, like I'll be here. I don't leave anyways. And so I was able to, when I got back there, I was, and I had felt the the contrast of not being able to make music how I was before. Mm -hmm. I was like pedal to the floor. And then also I had a hundred percent of my time to devote to it because um, like I was pretty much just would sit in my house with a walkie talkie. And if they needed me, I'd go do some stuff, whether it was uh, maintenance on the property or this, that, and the other, and I would help them in the kitchen or do this. So, but then um, like if, for instance, if I was working in the kitchen for like a six hour shift, uh, it wasn't super busy. So I'd go over there and make, you know, have some breakfast orders and then it'd slow down. And I drive the golf cart back to the other side of the property, go work on music. Hey, there's an order in the kitchen, drive the golf cart back over, go make a burrito, drop it off and go back to the house, work on music. And the whole time I'm getting paid. So, uh, you know, so it was like, it, it facilitated the space for me to completely focus on it. And, and I wasn't even thinking about, uh, you know, like, it as a career or anything like that like it was just purely like driven by uh by my curiosity and by like uh just uh, there was something i'd always done i'd always been uh like creative in that sense like before i spent these seven eight eight years on music i had spent that much time uh painting and drawing and doing things of that like even now like i do graphic design work for people uh and, and like a lot of uh sketching and, and all this stuff and so so i felt like i was always trying to find something to express myself and music felt like this was the full spectrum where i could bring an element of everything whether it was like 
designing the music videos, doing the artwork for the album and the singles. So it was like, this is all me. It's like, okay, wow. I wrote the beat. I, I made the beat, wrote the song, made the artwork, d- d- developed the video concept, uh, if not edited the video as well, because I grew up editing skate videos my entire life. And things. So I'm super familiar with like Photoshop, Premiere, all this stuff, uh, like taking classes in high school and, and things like that. So um, so I was always, it's, it, it felt like it was, it encompassed who I was fully. And, uh, I feel like I'd always been looking for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's amazing, man. That, that's really cool. I, I, I respect, Gosh. I respect the shit out of that. I respect that, that grind, that hustle of like, uh, of taking on, um, you know, a, a lot of the aspects of, of the creative process with, whether it's like creating the content or even putting it out and, and, you know, I, you know, marketing it, it, however you do, which could just be the graphic design and stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of hustle. Uh, do you think that that's, um, I, I don't know, like, do you, would you suggest that to people to, to sort of take on that? uh to to people who are kind of coming up right now or or just kind of getting into the game would you suggest that to them or or is that just something that just sort of worked out for you i when i look at it like uh the i'm not like super tapped into like you know like uh like you know like for instance mac miller Mm -hmm. um i feel like because everything was coming from him he was working a lot on the production side with, with the riffs and everything like that that's why it sounded the way it did so there was something that like uh it was you because in your head you know what sounds good to you kind of thing and so if you can work through that resistance and do it you're going to get something that you're proud of at the end of the day and that nobody else is going to be like you can't pass the blame off to anyone else if it falls short (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and when it hits it's all this just like this is just purely authentic with me so i wouldn't you know everybody has their different paths but i think that's what it did for me was it's like the reason i feel like the music has even stood out is because uh it's just purely a reflection of me as best that i found out how to share that with the world yeah yeah for sure no that that's a that's a great way to put it you mentioned resistance what could you expand on that working past the resistance um, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've, if you're familiar with the book, uh, the war of art, I believe it's called. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, that was a, a book that was recommended. I love reading as well as something that I, I'm always, uh, you know, interested in, 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 picking up a new book. And so I remember reading that one and it was one of those ones where I'd always felt that, but I didn't have the words for it. And it was like, Oh, okay, here's the map right in mm. front of me. And, uh, so, so that is kind of like where, when I say resistance, it's like, the resistance to, you know, if you need to work out or in the morning and you're like, um, I could just sit here. It's like that little resistance to be like, no, show up, like go do the thing. Or if, um, you know, I'm sitting there and I feel the urge to just go play piano for some reason, I'm like, don't, don't, uh, you know, suppress that. Like, just go see what happens. And a lot of the times that's when something great would happen or in that, in that sense. So it's just, um, like, uh, uh, stepping, you know, stepping into your un- being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, uh, the war of art. Who was who wrote that fucking book? I can't remember his name. Uh, Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic book. I, I, uh, I, I loved it. It was like, yeah, and like kind of like showing up, and, and he talked about, you know, you treat your art like it's your job, and you show yep. up to your job, and you fucking do it. And, and like, even if you don't feel like doing it that day, you push through and even if it's like, you know, he was a writer. So like, even if it was just one page of something, you know, you got to get something out. 
And even if it's dog shit, you know, but like that's the only way to sort of summon the muse. I think he talked yep. about the muse is the sort of like look at it like a job, do it every day. And even if you don't feel creative in that moment, you sort of have to you push past the resistance and that will access you to the muse, whatever it is that you tap into that, yep. that is your creativity. What, what do you think it is that is that, that we're tapping into when we're creating? I I think uh, like uh, the way I look at it is like, like uh, the idea and uh, the theory, I suppose, of the Big Bang. It's like something coming from nothing, or this. Um, it's this explosion of explosion of creativity. And so, if we are just like a lower, um, like um, if you look at the sand dunes, right in the desert, they have these beautiful waves to them and things like that. And uh, Terrence McKenna described it as like a lower representation, a lower dimensional representation of the wind, because the wind is really what carved that. So it's like, it is the same thing. So it's like, if the universe is this expansive creation, then we are that as well in, in a lower dimensional form or in a different sense of that. Um, so I think that, and, and I, I'm not I'm sure if you're familiar with Terrence McKenna. I am, uh, food of the and, gods. And, yeah. And so like his novelty theory is to me really stuck out to me with the idea that the universe almost runs on new ideas. Hmm. And so, uh, so it's always trying to reinvent itself. It's like, um, the idea that time is speeding up, he described it was like, you know, in um, a thousand years where 10 thing ha 10 things happen or in 10 years where a thousand things happen, what's faster. So it's not necessarily the time is speeding up, but the amount of things that are happening in a moment. And so the universe is leading towards this almost, it wants new, 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 new. And I almost feel like, uh, I, I'm also really, uh, probably one of the people that I'm most fond of is Alan Watts, mm. uh, as far as like somebody who I can really go to. Ram Dass? Just, uh, is that, is that Ram Dass? I love Ram Dass as well. Like Ram Dass and Alan Watts, I feel like they really bring Oh, that's not the same people, right? No, no, no. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. My bad. I, I thought... But, I, I, who what's Ram Dass? Because he was part of the Timothy Leary crew Timothy, at first. Yeah, exactly. But Ram Dass and Alan Watts were great friends. They would take LSD together. They would have these great discussions and mm -hmm. things like that. So they were the, the and uh, the two of them both both bring something to the table, you know, in that sense. And so I feel like those two are probably uh, some of my biggest like gurus, if I were to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Alan Watts talks about the universe like trusting the universe as you would trust another person, like someone you really trust. Like, I know you're going to go through with this. And a lot of the things I've done in my life, I would always describe it as a trust fall with the universe. Like I know I'm going to get caught, but I have to surrender and actually drop mm -hmm. in order for that to the universe to meet me there. So I feel like um, it, 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 it's, it knows that and it feels that and it almost uh, rolls. I don't want to say reward, but reciprocates that because that's what it's feeding off of is new ideas. So when you meet it in that space, it's like, okay, you want to play? Let's play. Boom. Like throw it back and forth. All right, cool. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it comes from uh, for me. And uh, it's, uh, it's like you can't make a flower grow, but you can create the environment for it to grow. And so by showing up every day, that's creating the environment for it to grow. It's like, I can't make the song, but if I show up, and I give it the nutrients, then today might be the day where it blooms or where, oh, there's a little bud right there. Look at that. You know yeah. what I mean? So so it's just like trying to show up and uh, create that environment to where something can happen in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. 
Um, no, that that th- I mean that makes so much sense. You know, when you're dealing with that uh, that that play, that playing within the pl- the back and forth, and yeah. you know, and, and it's interesting, like you know how you're saying that, or at least Terrence McKenna was saying how there was uh, there's like a play, or I'm sorry, there's like a craving for new ideas that sort of push the universe. And it, I feel like those ideas are, are are there for almost anyone to sort of tap into. Mm-hmm. What's up, Sam? Stop with the shout out the Major Trumpet Strip Club, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's GTA 5. That's what the Major Trumpet Strip Club is. Okay. Uh, thanks, Sam. And thanks for being here, buddy. But we're not going and looking up the stupid fucking trumpet major strip club. But but I feel like it's sort of those things because it's really interesting when, you know, you have on one side of the world, someone sort of has an idea that sort of pops up on the other side of the world as well. And there, examples kind of escape me at this moment. But 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 there are those things where even if you've had this idea where it's like you have this idea, you never acted on it. And then all of a sudden you see it out in the world, you know, like and you're like, holy yep. shit, I thought of that, too. Like, what, what huh? you know. So it is interesting. It's almost like a river of ideas or a river of energy that you can sort of tap into, and yep. and and anybody can kind of tap into it. And it's almost like a, it's a, like race to the to the finish line. Who's going to get there first? Uh, if you want to go further with these ideas, you know, it's like I have this like um, this awesome idea for a uh, for a keyboard case, which I'm not going to tell anybody. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's but one day I want to. Because it's almost like an experiment. If I don't do it first, it's like I'm waiting for someone to sort of come up with this idea because it's kind of so simple that that um, that that I'm surprised it doesn't already exist. But it doesn't yeah. exist. So like I I fucking I'm just sort of waiting to see who 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 wins. You know who's gonna win? Am I gonna win this one or is someone else gonna win this one? But but I thought I saw someone the other day and I was like, oh, there it is. But it wasn't. And I was like, yes, yeah. my secret is safe still. Uh, but but you know like um, you know you talk a lot about you know psychedelics in your and I mean you mentioned LSD and moving Dutch which said uh, take it uh, that's when you know your friends taking LSD together buddies for life yes indeed <laughs> yes. yes indeed uh, moving mm, Dutchman mm. oh my God moving Dutch- <laughs> you gave the troll a sub <laughs> you know what was interesting Sam Sam came in last time and he stayed for the whole show so like I'm not hating on Sam so Sam welcome uh I, I love your troll and you had me look up the major Trump or the trumpet major strip club my kind of troll <laughs> so I, I appreciate you buddy for hanging out and, and coming back thank you so much you're always welcome here and you're always welcome to troll me with your shout outs to the trumpet major strip club because at this point it's just fucking hilarious but, <laughs> but you talk a lot about um oh and before we move on and we'll and psychedelics we're coming back to psychedelics but before we move on uh moving dutchman had a question and and moving dutchman is uh he's he's from over the pond and so you know european and so you know they they have a different perspective on race and such so and, and hip-hop music in general because hip-hop is definitely a very american made uh, uh, type of music. So uh, he's just curious, uh, and he said, "I have maybe a stupid question. It's not a stupid question, Moving Dutchman, but do black rappers look funny at white rappers, or is white and black united?" I mean, I've never, I've never personally experienced it. Um, like I, I've always felt really welcome uh, in a lot of these spaces. Like so, it's something that like I've never personally experienced. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that there, there, like anybody, there's always people who are gonna, you know, hate on, you know, and be like, you're, you're, you're appropriating or whatever, whatever the thing is of the week. But it's like, uh, I feel like it's a very American thing, and I feel like America yeah. is sort of this, you know, you want to think of it as a giant community, right? You want to think of us, even the though, right? You want to think of it like that, even though we're very fucking horribly yeah. divided right now, but still. Um, when you look into these hip hop worlds, you know, and I come from the reggae world too. I was, I was out in San Diego, you know, playing around and and, in the reggae scene and playing, uh, Cal roots and shit like that. Um, and, uh, you know, like there was never any problems with that, you know what I mean? And you'd have these old Jamaican heads like Don Carlos coming out and fucking jamming with, Fucking the the cats from Tribal Seeds who are a bunch of fucking Mexicans and Ian Young who is who's he's a Mexican too but he looks white as fuck but still like you got like you know you got like white people black people Mexicans you got everybody sort of sharing in this moment and sharing in the in just creation of music and I feel like over the years with uh, you know music and art has always led the way of breaking barriers that society has put up you know whether yeah. it's you know whether it's you know blacks because at one time you wasn't allowed to have blacks in your band but like here comes jazz music and and blues music and all this different kind of music where white people black people are all sort of combining together and even in swing era like benny goodman took teddy wilson and lionel hampton out on the road with them and they're just like fuck you we're, we're this is it was beyond music so i feel like art and music has always sort of broken down those doors and those labels uh and and, and that's what's so great about art and culture you know is like it, it influences each other and so to say that people are appropriating i, I just i find that so stupid like it, i get yeah. it i get it you know i i try yeah. to understand where people are coming from because you can see what people are you know what i mean but a lot of the times it's like uh, if you meet someone who speaks the same language as you and not everyone does, so music's like a language, right. you immediately have a bond where you're like, oh, okay, cool. We can communicate in a way that I can't with everyone else. Like you understand exactly. what I'm, you know, you'd say. And I always would say that art moves the culture. Yeah. And uh, then I'd say drugs move art. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that sort of brings us back to uh, exactly. the psychedelics, which which you talk a lot about. And, uh, and you've mentioned you took LSD with your girlfriend and... Oh, you're welcome, Moving Dutchman. You're you're welcome um, for that uh, that complete answer. But uh, you know, you, you talk a lot about psychedelics, and you know, I feel like psychedelics uh, go really well with art, and it goes really well with this conversation. Even when we're talking about this this river of ideas, or you know, working past resistance, uh, summoning the muse, and such. Uh, how what what role has psychedelics played in in your art and your music? Um, before I even when I was before I started playing the guitar, like I said, I was always doing artwork, mm -hmm. and that was really where drugs came into the picture. And it was like um, a, a lot of times when I take a psychedelic, I would I take LSD for instance, and I would put my headphones in, and I would lay there for six eight hours, yeah. and just listen to music. And I would do that for for a few years, and I always said that in that um, in those experiences, I learned what I liked about music, 
at like an intuitive level. Like I knew what I, what sounded good to me, what I connected with and things like that. So it was like at the emotional level, before I understood music or tried to play it or anything like that, I already had a very deep connection with, with music and how it had, how it had just saved my lives and my life on multiple uh, occasions. And so, uh, when I actually moved to Sedona, my dad, my dad doesn't play any instruments, but he bought a guitar, you know what I mean? One day and was like, uh, it was around the house. So when I moved, I was like, Hey, can I take that guitar with you? Cause I don't have a TV or nothing. So I'm just trying to make sure I got stuff to do and keep me like, occupied. And for the first uh, year, that guitar probably just sat under the bed or sat in the corner of the room or something. And I was on mushrooms one day and I, I leaned over and grabbed the guitar and just was had it laying on the ground. It was just kind of uh, plucking at the strings and the state I was in, it was just this incredible um, basically like string theory uh, vibrations coming off of it. You know what I mean? That were uh, manipulating the environment around me in this kind of way. And it was such an interesting experience that uh, it was like probably the next day I was like, all right, I got to tune this thing and learn this song. Like what is, you know what I mean? That was incredible. And so, um, so psychedelics have played a huge role. I was, uh, they, for, for the first few years, it was just like taking them and not making music. Like I didn't really do that much. It was like, I would just take them and then maybe later that would inspire something or that would give me the headspace to be able to sit down and be very present with what I'm doing and things like that. But then um, it was probably like two years ago, uh, I got asked to uh, work with uh, out of this studio in Phoenix. And there's these guys, they're called Odd Squad Family, incredibly dope band, uh, uh, hip hop group. And um, so I was like, cool, like, can I sleep on the couch in the studio? Because uh, I don't have a place out there. And they're like, yeah, you know what I mean? So I went out there. And before that, I had spent the first five years just... Um, making music by myself. I never really collaborated with people other than like the occasional campfire jam or something like that, you know? And so, uh, I, I had kind of taken that time to sharpen my swords and, and to, to, to uh, learn what I liked and how I was approaching things. And then that was the next chapter, the next evolution of it. And I got to Phoenix and the goal was to just work with, um, you know, the, my favorite people out there, some of the artists that I thought were really doing great things. And um, there's an album that I have called All Dogs Go to Heaven. And that was in that process when I moved there that I went from having zero features on my songs to that every song on there, probably except for like two of them is just me. And uh, uh, there's a few beats on there that were produced by another person as well. So it was it was cool. It was like this collaborative process. And when I got in there, um, I was also struggling a lot where like I'd wake up and I wouldn't know how I was going to eat that day or things like that. Like I was like, right, I don't have money, but I'd be like, well, if I take LSD, I'm not really worrying about how I'm going to eat today. So like, you know, or things like that. So it was kind of an escape uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started utilizing it more in, in the, uh, being in that, in that headspace while I was creating. And it led to some really cool breakthrough moments and some, some uh, just uh, definitely helped me get out of my head and my comfort zone and just make something and then step back. Like, Oh, I didn't know I could do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. But now, now I'm at a point where like, I have so much love and respect for um, the psychedelics, whether it's uh, peyote mushrooms, uh, uh, LSD and that, uh, but I've, I'm 29 now. 
and I'm getting to a point where like now I'm starting to think about things, uh, even with the music, it's becoming a lot more serious over the past uh, year and where I have to be grounded and be present and I have to put on my business hat and it's like, I own a business now. I'm a brand and things like that. And so, um, less, um, uh, I don't want to say recreational, uh, but less recreational use. And when it is, it's, uh, for a very specific purpose. Uh, and, uh, like when I take mushrooms now, it's like, I usually fast the day before I, I really am, uh, uh, keen on my diet leading up to it. Uh, the, the space that I try to create for myself is, uh, very important and there's a lot of intention that goes into it. So it's, it's a lot different. And, uh, but, I'm getting to a point now where uh, my values are starting to change. You know, like when I was 14, I valued different things than I did when I was 24. Now I'm almost 30 and that my values are changing as well. And, and having the wisdom to let go of that old ego uh, structure that was serving me for a point and let go and work through the resistance of, of uh, stepping into that. It's been uh, really beautiful for sure. And I, I, I feel, um, like psychedelics will always be with me. I can't unsee what I've seen. And uh, sometimes I feel like um, it almost uh, not, I, I, I've been in those moments where I'm like, damn, I almost wish I wouldn't have done that because I feel like uh, I, I like the people I'm around don't see what I'm seeing or things mm -hmm. like that. But I know that uh, that's what I bring to it. And that uh, when I do talk about it with people, even people who haven't really delved into psychedelics, it connects and they relate and they understand what I'm saying uh, in ways like that. So, so, uh, but I used to be like, you know, if you've never taken LSD or mushrooms, like I almost can't have a conversation with you. Like you, how are we even going to meet in a space to talk? Like, but I, I was definitely uh, naive in thinking that because there's so many different ways that people have experienced uh, um, touching that river. Uh, you know what I mean? Outside of that. Yeah, no, no, I feel that, man. I feel that. It's like, I don't even, how do you even exist in this world without fucking tripping your dick off, bro? Like, what yeah. happened to you? <laughs> Who hurt you? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but no, I, 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 I feel that a lot, man. And, it, you know, like, it, I think it's the same for me as well. Although I will have fun and take like micro doses if I'm just hanging out and just like yeah. chilling. But yeah, if it is a full on, if I'm going to do something like that, it has to be with intent. Tension. It has to be, you know, like it's just I'm too old to just be like I'm taking fucking LSD and partying. Although, <laughs> although I did do that last year at a at the Gorge at uh, at, at the uh, Labor Day weekend. It was Dave Matthews Band, um, and and I ended up having not such a great experience with it. And and yeah. I haven't drank and I'm not a drinker. I, I used to be. I was fucking raging alcoholic, piece of shit alcoholic. Uh, but like, you know, that night, like it was just such a, it just didn't work with me. Like I just, it, it, like it wasn't the right environment. And it was like a huge reminder to me is like, yo, you can't just do this like that anymore. Like I felt isolated and, and like, I just felt like, you know, like I just felt so isolated on my own, on an island on my own. And maybe that's at that moment, maybe that's what I needed. But yeah. I ended up going and, and it was just sort of too overwhelming. And I was just like, I know what will fix this. A shot of fucking Jameson. Let's go. And, <laughs> and then things got better. But like still at what cost, you know, like, I mean, I was just hung over. It felt like shit. And, yeah. and I was just out wilding out. And I'm almost 40, bro. I don't need, I got a kid. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not something that I, sh that, that, that's 
reasonable for me to be doing right now. I mean, you know, whatever. Within reason, I think you could do that. But at that moment, it was unreasonable. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it, there's this, this, there was a huge lesson for me that you just can't go, you know, stepping in, in these grounds without, you know, preparing or, or at least taking more uh, of a self-examined, you know, yeah. step towards it. Because it, it just, it was, it was just like, I couldn't even really enjoy the show. Not like yeah. Dave Matthews, no. And, and so like, it was like such a, it was such a bummer because like, I, I really wanted to enjoy the show, but I just felt like out of place. I just, it, it wasn't like yay you know and and like yeah. the night before i'd taken mushrooms and went to the show and had a beautiful time so it was just really interesting where lsd and and then mushrooms sort of they there there is a, a huge divide in those yeah like, that- I, I definitely am a lot more uh um uh precautionary when approaching lsd yeah. uh when i was younger it, it seemed to be just the most incredible substance i'd ever came across <laughs> and then as i got older uh, I was like, yo, this shit gets intense sometimes, man. <laughs> like, oh, God. And mushrooms get there, too. But there's a lot more um, like I've been in, uh, you know, I've been in crazy mushroom experiences. And uh, but whenever I seem to surrender to it and like understand this two shot pass, there's always this like um, motherly compassion or this like and LSD is giving me that, too. But there's just, you know, it's hard to describe for sure. Yeah. But yeah. And yesterday was the day that uh, Albert Hoffman first uh, uh, experienced it. April 16th was the day he first uh, uh, that first LSD trip was had. So let's go, Albert Hoffman. Let's go. Uh, that, that's tight. That, that, that's perfect. Um, April. April is such an interesting month. It's the month of my birthday as well. But uh, it, so, like, I, I had this. You know, like when you're telling me is like instead of eating when you're at the studio, like you're just taking LSD. How did you have money for LSD but not for food? My priorities are a little fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need weed in this, and a lot of the times, uh, like being an artist, people just give you that, especially when they start to associate you with the psychedelics. Mm. So between me and other people in the studio, we get bags of mushrooms or L and be like, yo, they're in the that we had a box. Where it was like a free for all, go do what you need to, you know what I mean, kind of thing. So, so there was usually something there uh, to to snack on. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I mean, hey, what a way to go! Uh, yeah. I, I, hey, I've been there. I've been there in my twenties. I was there. Yeah. I was, but but I, I got I got a little bit rougher substances than that. But yeah, uh, um, I. I have you ever i mean you do talk about a lot of different i mean when you're talking about outside of psychedelics i do hear you talking about cocaine and stuff like that and your stuff have you gone down those paths and and sort of went over the edge with those or or is that something that you've kind of kept in check i uh i was always uh uh i don't know my when i was so before uh, i moved to sedona from the time i was like 16 to like 19 mm. Uh, it was a very much experimental phase for sure. And I was living with some dudes that were like in their twenties in a shitty ass apartment where they were doing heroin and doing gnarly things and, uh, cocaine and just binge drinking. So, uh, I, I was exposed to a lot of it and, uh, they were also some really amazing people. They weren't like, you know, pieces of shit. So it kind of was breaking down my perspective. So like, you know, it's like, well, maybe like, it's not as bad as I say, or kind of thing. So it, it opened me up to dabbling in certain things. Um, and 
uh, I found, I found that prescription pills, like Xanax and things like that, I was not so much into the stimulants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then alcohol, uh, was, was really something as well. But, um, and I stopped drinking when I moved to Sedona and I stopped doing a lot of, I stopped doing everything except for psychedelics. I remember, um, it wasn't even like, uh, you know, I didn't have a problem with the specific substance. I was just like, would take whatever was in front of me. And, uh, uh, like I, I just want to not be in my, in my body. I want to experience something new. Like it's like a kid spinning around and laying on their back and feeling the world turn or watching TV upside down. It's like, we're just doing that as adults now. And, uh, so, so when I, uh, when I got introduced to LSD, it was like, I was 18 and that became like, I, I, I want to experience that again. I wasn't thinking about anything else. And so it, it, it was, it, it did, it was like this kind of seamless fall off of all the other substances. Mm-hmm. Like my curiosity was like, Oh, this is what I was looking for. And everything else just kind of fell to the side. And there was a few experiences where like, you know, I, I was around people who looked at me, uh, not looked up to me, but looked at me, uh, in a way that like, you know, like they trust, they trusted me and I would, you know, snort, snort a Xanax or do something. And, uh, they would be like, Oh, can I try that? And I had introduced a few people to certain things that I I felt like was really not, that was when I was like, this isn't right. Like, I'm not trying to, this can go bad quickly. Uh, and so it was kind of a wake up call. And then with, with alcohol, that's the only substance like, uh, that I've ever, almost killed myself on you know accidentally like it it doesn't happen with me on mushrooms or lsd or something like that and uh, i stopped drinking for like five or six years and then when i moved back when i moved to phoenix the back to phoenix to live in that studio um that was another coping mechanism i didn't even realize till later that i when i started drinking again i thought i was okay with it but i was definitely dealing with some stuff Hmm. and uh i actually made a trip to sedona and uh, I went out, took some LSD out in this cave out there. It's called Shaman's Cave. Really beautiful view. And I was going back up the canyon to go collect spring water. And I stopped by my old work because uh, it's right right there, the bed and breakfast. And they were like, "You're nobody's staying in your house if you want to stay there tonight, like in, in your old spot. And I was like, cool. And they're like, just uh, we're, we redid the carpets, all the furnitures moved up against the walls and this, that, and the other. And uh, I remember getting back that night and uh, I was like, I was dealing with uh, just like, you know, feeling very unresourceful. Uh, I had just uh, uh, been like uh, kind of my heart was broken from an experience prior to that. I didn't have like a home. I was showering in a sink. I was like, what am I doing with my life? And so that night I drank a, a tremendous amount. And then I, I woke up and uh, the house was like a little like uh, hazy. And I was like, what the fuck? And I look over and for some reason, uh, all the way across the room, which is probably like 20 feet, I dragged this sofa, this uh, love seat, this old vintage love seat. And I pushed it up against the wall right where the furnace is, the fire furnace. And so it was catching on fire in the house. And so I was like, so I almost burnt down the cabin. And after that, I was like, all right, no more drinking. Like, and, uh, I stopped immediately again right there. That was a wake up call for me for sure. Wow, dude. Wow. Not, dude, that, that, that's like, so 
it's so self-destructive you know what i mean like yep. uh alcohol just drives that i feel like in, in people who are you know tend to be self-destructive or at least running from yep. emotion it, it 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 sort of taps into your like darkest entities that live within you know i i i mean i i had to learn so many different lessons through alcohol and to, I mean, it took me a really long time. It was really alcohol that that was really tough for me to to sort of break the break the chains because it was a, I don't know. I I thought I loved it, and you know, I thought I had a good time on it, and I thought it was like something that, uh, you know, I it was like yeah, I turned into a cooler guy, but really I turned into an asshole who was yelling obscenities yeah. in the streets and getting grabby and like you know, it's just like. It, it was not good, and, and there's just been so many times where I had self-destructive moments with it, and and you know I just kept going. I, I really respect that you had the fortitude to, or or the the foresight, I should say, to to sort of nip that in the bud uh, yeah. when you did. I mean, especially so young, it took me till I was thirty to fucking realize all that shit. But like, still, you know, at least I realized it. But it it was my twenties were you know, just such a haze, you know. And, yeah. And they're supposed to be like the best times, you know, your most like, you know, your your the most uh not the best times because as I find as I'm getting older, I'm I'm enjoying life a little bit more. I'm I'm a little bit more mm -hmm. relaxed. I'm a little bit, you know, maybe that's just age or whatever, but and wisdom, you know, and, and intelligence or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, but your twenties is supposed to be like the, a good time. You're supposed to be exploring, experimenting, doing your thing. And, but you're also supposed to be like working towards something. And yeah. unfortunately I was just sort of fucking everything up and I had a lot of cool experiences that I can't really remember, but like, you know, what was I working towards and what was I yeah. trying to accomplish? And it was not much. And so I, I really respect it when, when younger cats can like you know catch themselves because uh, you gotta catch it as soon as you can i mean and the problem is especially in your 20s you just think you're partying and having fun and living your life right and you know i'm never gonna die i'm fucking you know but it's like you, you know like it, you you've noticed in that moment when you're when you you were um Try like whatever that was that the alcohol taps into for you was like trying to destroy you, yeah. And and you were able to sort of catch that and be like, Hey, fuck you, you're not my yeah. ally, you're we're yeah. not friends, like, we are yeah. not friends. Yeah. We 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 got to figure this something out. And so, I always respect that with people, and, and appreciate and, that. And yeah, man, mad props for that, shit, man. Uh, see, so yeah, that that's great, man, that to figure that out. Yeah, I, we were reading, uh, I think I streamed a couple days ago, I don't remember, fuck. but uh, we were sort of looking through your guy, your stuff and preparing for today and sort of going through your stuff. And and I think I read something on a YouTube video where you, um, where were you taking peyote and i was like oh shit like <laughs> this is gonna be wild um can you kind of like go through that experience because i've never taken peyote i'm like i've tried dmt uh you know mushrooms lsd and stuff but like peyote is one of those things where it's just like that's like a mystical magical thing that sort of exists only in the desert you know what i mean and, and i've never been in the desert for too long first of all i don't like the desert it's not <laughs> shit. it like i just don't like it but I, I like very temperate weather like san diego was a perfect city for me because it's like perfect weather all the time that i just need yep. to be comfortable always that's me <laughs> I don't want to be too cold. I don't want to be too fucking hot. I just want to be uh -huh. comfortable all the time. 
And obviously that's not, that, that, that's a trap in its own sense. But uh, could you kind of talk through that experience with us? Yeah, uh, uh, it was, I was invited by uh, a group of friends who, who are all, um, they're probably, you know, five, 10 years older than me. And they're all, uh, they were all females. Um, and they were these just very strong women, very grounded women, like people that I would look at as sisters. And um, uh, it was very healing for me to be around them because I had just been around like a very toxic relationship. And so to be reintroduced to like a place where there was in this like non-sexual way of just like having a really great group of, of, of women who really had your best interests. And uh, it was the same for them. You know, they were like, we trust you enough to be here with us, you know? And uh, uh, so it, I was very fortunate enough to do that. And one of the women, uh, her, um, her partner, is has been a part of and i'm forgetting the name right now of the specific tribe but he's been a part of the the uh these peyote ceremonies since he was a child um and his 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 brother is the one who holds the ceremony and it was with the native american church so it's this completely legal like space that's dedicated to them and we actually went out to california um uh, probably like an hour or so west of like the Salton Sea. Mm. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it's still very deserty, like in the middle of the desert kind of thing. Mm. And um, so we went out there the day before was spent um, uh, doing, you know, different breath work and different yoga and different. Um, uh, we were taking, uh, they're doing hoppe, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's like a snorted uh, tobacco. Mm. Um and so doing hape ceremonies um, and uh, uh, just kind of like bonding in that level and preparing ourselves for what we're about to go do. Because I think uh, outside of outside of the, 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 the couple who had been involved in it, the, the, uh, that, the one woman and her uh, partner, we were all like, all right, let's see what's going to happen. And they had done an ayahuasca ceremony last year. Oh, um, so they're, they're very, like, uh, very intentional and very, uh, they're warriors for sure. Yeah. And so... We went out there and we get to this place in the middle of the desert and it's this probably like fire pit that's like 10 foot in diameter. Uh, there's this beautiful altar where you had to bring like a candle and bring something. And uh, as the sun's setting, everybody starts showing up and there's probably about 80 people all surrounding this huge fire pit and 80 people ranging from like uh, kids, like three to five year old to like elders like people like in their 80s and 90s and you're sitting next to people um uh from from like uh just kind of like every possible upbringing uh you know like whether it's just like people they're seeking to expand on their uh, own personal journey or people who are there because they you know they've uh, overcome substance and they were out of jail now and they're doing this and it's a part of their their uh, uh commitment to themselves to show up here and do these things and so um, we end up in this circle of about 80 people and it's led by, um, uh, I suppose the chief is what you would call, you could call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, two of his uh, 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 kind of like uh, partners in that sense. And um, they're like, all right, if you've never taken peyote before uh, come up and stand in front of the fire. And so I walk up and like, there's all these rules to it. Like once you're in the circle, you can't leave one uh, you're locked into it there's certain ways you have to walk through it and different things like that. And um, like 
this is something that they're doing all the time, right? They do it every equinox. So they do it uh, every, every as at the transition of every uh, season. Wow. And they're not there to like walk you through it. It's like, you decided to come sit down and listen and watch and learn. Like, they're not going to be like, all right, so explain it to you. It's like, you have to be aware and you have, they're going to keep going with their routine. And if you want to be here, that's what you're going to have to do is have that, uh, have, be humble enough to set, step aside, set aside like that, that part of yourself. And so I walk up and they, uh, the chief comes up and he, uh, he has my, put my hands out and he takes his peyote bud, probably like the size of a golf ball. And he presses it to my wrists and then presses it to my forehead and then puts it in my mouth. And I was like, okay, it doesn't taste that bad. Like it was, it was good. It wasn't, it wasn't very palatable. And, uh, uh, I go sit back down at the, at my chair afterwards and uh, the, my buddy, who is the brother of the of the chief, comes up to me and he's like, hands me like two or three more peyote buds. He's like, here, 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 take some more. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and they told us to bring oranges uh, because like uh, uh, it would to help uh, uh, the peyote go down. And I was eating the peyote and I was like, you don't need an orange for this. Like this is perfectly fine. I'm just eating it. It was not nearly as bad as mushrooms or something like yeah. that. It was like kind of like a really bland like. Uh, like cucumber apple like i don't even know like how to like the texture of it yeah um like very like a gummy almost it was so yeah. strange i've had like and, a san pedro cactus a little bit and that was like a fresh one i was yeah. i was dumb i didn't know how to do it but like that i had that like it, i feel that like that cucumbery taste and i know exactly. it's different but yeah i get what yeah, you're saying yeah. yeah and then so so uh so then uh they they they, there's other parts of the ceremony at one part uh like they bring uh they bring some of the men up and i was one of them and they they give you this like the, so the the peyote is associated with the deer and the spirit of the deer heavily and so the idea is that everywhere the deer steps the peyote grows kind of thing and it's like that's the spirit of the deer and so in the process they what they do is they they um they uh, kill a deer before you know the day before or something and they bring that there and the whole time there's this stew cooking on the fire with the deer in it and um, they walk up and they hand me this huge bone that's sharpened and they're like uh there's a deer heart laying in front of the in front of the uh uh the fire and they're like stab the deer heart and flick the blood into the fire like with your intentions with this that and the other and uh, uh, I remember, and like I've grown up hunting my entire life, like big game animals and stuff. Like my, me personally, the the heart of the deer was my favorite part to eat. Like mm. it's delicious. It's incredibly like it's so good. Tight. And so it wasn't like anything that was like, oh my god. Right. It was like it was like, but it was a beautiful process. And this how they were going about it. And then I go sit back down, and I see them. Uh, the 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 some of the people who are working with the ceremony are walking around passing things out again. I'm thinking they're passing out, uh, uh, more peyote and they walk up and they have like a Mason jar filled with this powder. And so what it was, was the peyote dried and powdered. So it was like dirt. It was like this, just dirt. And I, they, they're like, I see everyone putting their hands out and they just put this huge scoop of what is just essentially dirt, like texture wise in your hand. And I'm like, Oh, this is what the orange is for. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I just like put it in my mouth and throw the orange in there. And it's just like, okay, holy shit. Like putting that down. Um, and then after that, they're like, if anybody has their own cups, 
um, we're going to pass around some tea right now. And then whoever has cups, um, we'll pass it out to you first. So I'm like, Oh, that's very nice. Like they just gave us this gnarly, uh, you know, powdered shit. They're going to give us some tea to wash it down. And I get the tea and I take a sip out of it. I'm like, Oh, this is peyote. I was like, this peyote tea. I was like, okay. I was like, fuck. Like, I was like, I thought we were done. All right. And, uh, uh, um, the, the thing about the peyote, which I, was unlike any of the psychedelics that I experienced before, was the purge of it. it. They called it getting well. And so the whole time, there's just retching going on. People, uh, uh, and it, it goes right into your, it makes you almost feel like you have, the, I mean, me personally, it puts you in the space where it's almost like you have a flu instantly like it's very intense uh like in this it, like not like mushrooms like mushrooms are like oh my stomach like no this goes right to it and uh they they believe that it's like purging you out it's good so like get it they call it getting well so anytime somebody gets well they would just be like i got well and then there was some there was two volunteers uh who would come around with a shovel and scoop the vomit and take it outside of the circle and put it outside of it but the whole time people are just retching and vomiting and and things like that and um i mean even the children are consuming small amounts of peyote uh, so they're good the, the kids everything like that and so uh, they're so then uh for the next and it's from sundown to sun up and we went till 11 a.m like past when the sun was up so it was 16 hours thir- i think it was like 15 or 16 hours of being locked in this circle um at one point uh i remember going to i was like i gotta go to the bathroom and there was like breaks where like it was like okay one or two people can leave at a time to use the restroom but that's it and so i was like kind of my turn to leave the circle and i walk out to the middle of the desert to go take a piss and i look up and from each star in the sky there was these threads of light coming into the ground and I'm just, and it was the first time I'd stepped away from the fire and the whole time, the, this entire 13, 15 hour process, there's, they are dancing, singing. They have, you know, they have boots covered with shells and they're jumping around. And like, there's these beautiful, uh, just like, uh, 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 you know, like, um, I'm spacing the word, but, uh, uh, yeah ceremonial those ceremonial aspects of it and uh uh it was uh that itself like even when i got out of the peyote ceremony i was like dude i could have done that whole thing and not taken peyote and i feel like it would have been just as transformational uh it was it was just such a beautiful thing and um at one point in like probably like midnight we go and they have everybody do this thing called the deer dance and it's funny because everybody's just spent all this time purging and vomiting and stuff and then it's almost like, you know, how good you feel after you throw up. And so there's just this new energy in their dance. Everybody's running around the spire, like little kids, like in this very liberated sense and stuff. And they're and, and dancing around the food that we're about to eat. And then they give us the stew. We eat a little bit of the venison. And then they, um, they give us uh, at probably around three or four in the morning. Um, and mind you, the entire time, it's probably like below 30 degrees. And the wind is just and just blowing and you're trapped in this circle. Like, and so I was sitting there with, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I prepared, but I had a sleeping bag too. And I just had myself wrapped in that sleeping bag with just like my eyes visible. And I was just like sitting there like, Oh man, like what the hell? It's so cold. But, uh, I'm used, I'm used to the cold, but I knew, I knew the people I was with. And when, when we got there, they separated the circle in men and women. So I, I was completely by myself on that side. You know what I mean? And I was looking over at them 
And I was like, uh, at one point when I went to the bathroom, I was like, yo, my, if you guys need, I have like five sleeping bags in my truck, go get them out. And they're like, thank you so much. So they went and they were like, you know, but I don't think they were anticipating it to be that cold. But um, so yeah, the deer dance, the venison, then they, they give us um, the hot, the hot chocolate, which was just like, oh, it was the best hot chocolate you'd ever have in your entire life because you're freezing cold and you've just been eating crazy things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the whole time, I'm just, uh, uh, the tobacco is heavily associated with the peyote as well too. So the whole time I'm just smoking cigarettes, like rolling cigarettes and smoking cigarettes. So then to get this fresh cup of hot chocolate with some honey in it, it was amazing. And then um, as the sun rises, they it kind of starts to settle down and, it almost turns into like a storytelling uh, really like kind of vibe and everybody's really attentive and just listening to the, the, the people who are working the ceremony uh, tell these beautiful stories and these anecdotes. And um, then at the end, everyone, it was asked to say four words about their experience and they went around the circle. And uh, when they got to me um, at the point I was at, uh, I was really kind of like, thinking on the concept of like, how do I know all this stuff, but I can't apply it. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I know this, I know that I know this, but like, I can't apply it. And it was this understanding and the words I chose was transforming knowledge into wisdom, where through the experience, the knowledge becomes wisdom becomes it's different than knowing. It's like an, it's like a deep down knowing, you know what I mean? And so, um, so we go through that and then how we exit the circle as the ceremony ends is kind of like, uh, you know, one person comes out and goes to the person next to them and they have a moment to, to give each other a hug and talk and then it goes. And so it kind of snakes back out and everybody has a moment with this person in front of you. And uh, it was one of those moments where you're around all these strangers and every single person is like, thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Like really seeing you as this cosmic tribe of people and, and knowing that there was people out there who could meet you in that space was one of those things that forever changed because I knew it was possible. Even if people didn't always meet me there, I knew that there were people who understood that there was this, that we're all brothers and sisters here. And one of my favorite quotes of Ram Dass is we're all just walking each other home. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and it's such a sincere kind of sweet, you know, idea that like, we're all just walking each other back home to the other side of this or wherever we came from in that yeah. thing. So, um, so like I said, even with all of that, uh, the peyote, it, it, it was just as much the ceremony and the intention and everything that went into it. That was really uh, a moment that I will not forget. I, I was like, uh, you know, I got invited again uh, back to go again. And I was like, uh, I was just busy and, 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 but I would like to do it again in a smaller ceremony, mm. uh, in an intimate one, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with a shaman or something like that. But um, because in my mind, they're not going to take 80 people extremely deep into a peyote ceremony. That's, that's, you know, room for chaos to, to brew right there. And so I felt like they took us all uh, very consciously to a certain space, but didn't overdo it. And I felt like I wanted to experience more of it. And so my, uh, my resistance to go back was like, also that I was like, I feel like I kind of like know what to expect. And I would like to, you know, I I'm down to do it again, but like, if I really, if it was up to me, I would do it a little differently. Uh, you know, and not in a disrespectful way, but just, uh, uh, so that was, that was a really unique experience. And I know not everybody gets to do that. And, uh, it's, it's crazy. Even just reflecting on it with you, it's made, I can really feel like being there again. Wow. 
That that's in fucking incredible, man. That is <laughs> such a wild ass. I mean, like, I I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't <laughs> even imagine that. I mean, like, I've been in those situations where, like, you're tripping with other people. You know, you take mm-hmm. mushrooms or acid with like a group of people, and by the end of it, you guys feel like you've been through something together, and yep. you, you're bonded. And like Moving Dutchman was saying earlier, you know, like buddies for life. And it's just like this. You always have this cosmic connection with that person, and it's yep. it's a beautiful thing. But like, eighty people and fucking vomiting and shit. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just choked on my own spit. <laughs> it happens. It happens way too often for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, it, that that's such a that's such a wild experience. And like when you hear about people who do the ayahuasca, who go down so- the South America, there's kind of a similar thing. Um, you have you done DMT before? And yeah, it, is it similar to that? I mean, because like. DMT for me is different than like mushrooms because I feel like, um, oh, sorry, Raina, I'll, I'll cough into my arm next time and not all over the microphone and stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we share this space, so she's just like gross, bro. Uh, but, but like, uh, you know, like, like with DMT, it's sort of like you are. You are here as, you know, you're here as kaleidoscope kid and then fucking you, you take the DMT and then you're just dissolved and you're in another dimension and it's just like geometric, ancient geometric shapes, you know, it's just whatever it is. Uh, and then you sort of like come back and you're just like, what the fuck? Is it similar to that or what would you say it's similar to? As far as like, uh, are you talking about ayahuasca? or? Oh, I'm sorry. When you're talking about the peyote. The peyote, the peyote, I felt like it was a really interesting blend of mushrooms and alcohol almost Wow. Um, in a way that wasn't like alcohol, but in, in a way that was very similar to like, um, I remember getting up to walk and like, I'm, it felt very much like a little like wobbly, like, and I, you know, you get that effect with LSD or mushrooms and things mm-hmm. like that, but it felt, um, it almost was like the the warmth and the coziness of alcohol mm. to it. It had like that kind of inebriating effect to it, but very much uh, psychedelic as well, as far as like mushrooms and that sense of being connected to the earth and, uh, and something like that, just tasting it. Just uh, I will never forget the smell uh, of it and the taste of it. Like even for like two or three days after that, it still felt like it was like working through my body. Like I could feel it still. And it was like, I could taste it. And the whole time they're walking around, these women are walking around with these chalices filled with um, frankincense and myrrh and Palo Santo and cedar and just burning all these sacraments. And so like these smells lingering around you and everything like that. So it it was, it was, uh, it was unlike, it was very unique in their own ways, Mm -hmm. but almost, I feel like, uh, how LSD and mushrooms kind of can get indistinguishable at times. Like mm. it's like, okay, they're pretty similar, yeah. but they, there's their differences. Peyote, I would give it on yeah. like, it, uh, like it's like, yeah, I could see that, but like, no, no, like it's <laughs> definitely something I would say if anything, I've never done it before, but from what they said, um, similar to ayahuasca, ayahuasca with, with the purging, with the purging yes. and with kind of things like that for sure right right and 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 with ayahuasca tobacco is involved as well and stuff like that and so yeah i could see that but i always just imagine because they say that ayahuasca is sort of the that that's dmt a form of dmt 
And so, like, when I think of DMT, it's like my experience with it, you know, is just you just shot into another fucking dimension. Yeah. Do you do you think do you think that you know these super these powerful hallucinogens like DMT? I mean, I mean, I I can't say. I mean, mushrooms are super powerful. LSD are like these are very powerful fucking substances. But but DMT and five meo DMT, whether it's (laughs) whether it's from the bufa various frog or, or toad or from the uh, synthesized version they're mm-hmm. definitely at a class of their own for sure who yeah exactly it, 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 do you think do you think like i mean specifically i guess so sort of like dmt do you do you think that these are just chemical reactions that are sort of taking place in our brain? like what is it what do you think is happening or do you do you feel like we are sort of being transported into another dimension and able to see you know beyond the veil uh what what is what is your interpretation of it yeah, I, I feel like um, like uh, I always loved Alan Watts saying like the idea that the world is is made up of like the universe is made up of nothing like there's nothing out there but but that it's misinterpreted because realistically what that means is it's no thing it's everything mm-hmm. uh, and so that everything in its essence is one like it's all more one than even our word uh, and our idea of one we can understand our idea of unity. And so I think it brings you back to the rawest state, almost like, um, like it, it, it's like, uh, it, it, the Godhead, uh, I suppose is the best analogy for it of like, that is, that is what is happening in all of us. And that's what, like, it's, it's incredible like and uh, as far as like just trying to even bring it into words you know what i mean it's like you have to dance with it and one of the the analogy it makes me think of is that like um you know fire doesn't burn itself uh like light doesn't illuminate itself and if we are that god or the universe how could we know ourselves you know what i mean because we are it and so that's the trap in almost like um, you know, the idea that ev- if, if the universe was everything, um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the analogy that Alan Watts gives about the dream, uh, the dream analogy. And what he says is, if you could in uh, one night dream 100 years of living uh, every night and you were in complete control of your dreams, that can be looked at as like an analogy for being God. You're completely in control of this kind of thing. You could do whatever you want, mm-hmm. anything you would explore that, explore that as much as you can until eventually you would get to a point where you're like, ah, man, I've, I feel like I've done everything. Like, let's try to have a dream where I let go of control and I don't know what's going to happen. And so, uh, so then you have that dream where you let go of a little bit of control and you come back and you're like, whoa, that was crazy. Okay. Until eventually you would dream the dream of the life that you're living now. And so the idea that like, uh, I don't want to say like, it feels weird to give it, uh, give it some sort of human qualities, but the idea of like a lonely God, like if you're everything and nothing at the same time, there's no way to experience it. Like you're the, you're the fire that can't burn itself and things. So being born is like that separation in order to experience this, the, the, the self in that, you know, this, you're from the cosmic womb born into this. And then even in it, the rest of your life, I feel like we want to feel we as we move through life, we feel this need for connection. And 
um, I remember being, I, I dealt with the, you know, I feel like as most people, uh, especially in the, the, with the rat race mentality that we live in and things have, um, faced suicidal, uh, thoughts and things of that nature. And I, I remember being just really, really low. And, uh, I was, uh, reading the Tibetan book of the dead and I had read it a few times, but I was reading it and was just really applying a lot of the stuff. And I, I was like, I want, I wanted to to kill myself. And I understood that I wanted, I didn't feel connected to anything at all. And what would be the ultimate connection is going back to like being that one. And so in that moment, I kind of understood that like, yeah, that would work, but also I can have my needs met another way. If that's what I need is connection, whether that's through friends, through, through, uh, you know, uh, uh, finding this way to connect with nature and this, this thing, this, that, and the other. So I feel like a lot of our longing and our desire to do a lot of things we do is almost to feel that again. And it comes out in all these other ways that are disguised as like the human experience, you know, whether it's marriage, like marriage is another union in that sense where it's like, that's getting close, closer to, to where we came from, which is when we were everything again. And so, and that's the analogy of like walking each other home or all just walking each other home. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to describe, but I feel like, uh, DMT and a lot of the psychedelics, like even with mushrooms, um, molecularly, I think it's only one, there's one variation, uh, that separates it from DMT. It's very mm -hmm. close to DMT as well. Uh, and, uh, there's been plenty of times where I would fast for a day or two before taking a large dose of, of mushrooms. And then I, when I would take them, I would, I would meditate and I would create this environment for myself where after I would meditate and I'd be laying there for two or three hours in a complete still state that I would leave my body to a degree that was very similar to DMT, but a little bit more integratable uh, mm -hmm. for me. And, and like, I could slow it down a little bit kind of thing. And so, um, so there's this familiarity that crosses over between all of them where you're like, okay, like this is, I've been here in this realm. I've been here in this realm. I've seen this before. Um, but it, you know, with DMT, it just so happens to be like a, a bus pass that takes you right there as opposed to like mushrooms. You might have a few stops on the way or something. <laughs> yeah. They fucking rocket ship, bro. Exactly. <laughs> uh, man. Um, I want to talk about the new album that's coming out. Um, you, it's a self-titled and I'm going to drop the link. And, and if you guys are listening on the audio side, make sure you check out the links that are in the show notes, but here in chat, you guys can click on the link to a pre-save right to the self-titled album, uh, the Kaleidoscope kid and also his website. Go ahead and click on that. It'll take you to a links to, to his web or to his, uh, socials. And then of course go and pre-save on whatever, uh, whatever, uh, streaming platform you listen to your music on and, and and go go support this guy i mean you just heard him talking we're, we're almost on two hours of it <laughs> talking and uh you know like uh go support this is i love that you incorporate all of this into what you do um you know listening to your catalog of music um and i i have to say man i really really enjoyed it and like you like there's like no skippers i really feel like there's no skippers and maybe you had some skippers on there before because you said you took some music down but but i really feel like uh what you got out there is really what the best of what you're doing at that moment do you feel like from the stuff that you put out before and i know watermelon kisses is the single off that that's the lead single off that yeah, that's that's kind of what radio has been 
uh, you know, putting up and, and, and really pushing right now. Um, uh, you know, like what do you, do you find that there was a growth between what you have done and what you've done with, uh, with this album coming out with all the stuff that you previously released? It, it's actually interesting because, um, when, when this album kind of got put together, um, all of these songs I wrote five, six years ago. Hmm. These are some of the first songs I ever wrote. Oh, wow. And so, so, um, so like Watermelon Kisses, Hold Up, The Kaleidoscope Kid, like that was within the first year of me making music yeah. and producing and doing these, these things. So the songs. The first year? Seen, yeah. Jesus the, Christ, this, dude. That's fucking badass. <laughs> thank you. And so the songs were kind of just sitting there. And, um, you know, I was this is five years later, I'd done in a, a lot of work, uh, a lot of new music, a lot of growth and, um, suburban noise and regime, uh, the, the record label hit me up. They were interested in doing a project or two together. And they were like, uh, yo, like, uh, we really love these songs that you have out. They are doing, you know, they're doing good numbers. People like them and stuff. But obviously, like, there is a lot more potential for them to be seen. So even though they're old songs to you, they're new to a lot of people. Yeah. And um, would you be willing to take them down and let's, uh, you know, give them a new face and give them a, we redid the music videos for them, like gave them, brought them back to life in a way. Like even in the Hold Up music video, Hold Up, uh, originally, I had shot the music video five years ago. And in the new music video, the way it starts is I put in a VHS tape and it says hold up on there mm. and it calls back to a scene from the original video. And so people who had seen it before would know, but, and then all of a sudden I come in with a bat and I smash the TV screen. And so the, even like the way the album came about that was inspiring. It's like, okay, I got to go back now and find all my old selves that I've just been let running wild and kind of, corral them in and uh uh you know take kill them almost yeah. uh so that way i can step into this new identity and so so all the songs on the album there's nine songs um five of them were writ were wrote five six years ago okay. and then the other four we wanted to i, I didn't want to just drop an album for people who've been listening of all old stuff and it's like let's put some new tracks on there and so um I had a, a handful of songs as well that were made a year ago now, like eight months ago now. And so, um, so me listening to the album, it's like, uh, it's a little, uh, it feels like it's not super cohesive because it's like, okay, cool. Like I like this stuff, you know, and me personally, they're old songs for me. So I'm not super attached to them. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds terrible. Or, oh, I could do this better in this, you know, and then the new songs come on and it's like, wait, what is this the same album almost, you know? So I hope it's cohesive to people, uh, in that sense. But, um, it, it kind of gave me like, it, it, it almost feels more like a mixtape as much as it is an album, just because of how it came together. But, um, the idea was, you know, like, let's, let's, let's give this a new face and put these new songs on there. And, uh, I, I remember the al analogy somebody used was, you know, when the new star Wars movie comes out, what's on television for the months before that, all the old ones. Right. And so let's put these ones out, let's pump them out. And then while that's happening, we'll work on a new album and get ready for that new album to drop. And, um, so we brought these, uh, these old songs back to life, put new music videos to them, uh, you know, and then, uh uh threw those other songs on there and those i'm i'm very proud of all the music I, I definitely am i know that there's a lot that's gone into it 
obviously I feel more connected to the stuff that's newer mm. and uh, it's more in the direction of, of other stuff that I've been working on. Like I have a lot of music that I've just been waiting to, for the right people and things to, to put out. So, um, so I'm excited for what's about to happen because it's been a lot of hard work and planting seeds. And it feels like a lot of those uh, are about to start bearing fruit and about to, you know, like reaping the, reaping the benefits of that. That that's dope, man. So like, so this is sort of a, a purge of 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 some older stuff, and, uh, and and you're sort of getting ready for the next journey. Yep. Uh, you know, like I, I was looking, fucking suburban noise, man. Like they're they're fucking dope, man. They have like a lot of cool artists on there. Uh, Long Beach Dub All Stars, uh, Mickey Avalon, Head PE. I was like, oh shit, my boy, my boy uh, AK will sit in with Head PE sometimes on keys. So like, I would, and then Cottonmouth Kings. You know, I, I know, uh, you know, Danny X of Cottonmouth King. I know that they, I, I don't think he's a part of the label anymore because uh, there was sort of falling out. But uh, uh, these artists, you know, and th those are some of the just the names that I knew of, you yeah. know. So and there's way more artists than that. And I suggest everyone go and check out Sub, uh, Jesus, uh, Sub Noise and, and fucking and, and, you know, dig through because there's some cool artists on there. And there was this rapper. What was his name? Oh, my God. Something 619. I can't remember what it was. But like I was really digging his shit. I was listening to some of the people in there. Uh, so, so, so the label reached out to you to, to do some work with you. Are you, are you doing production with them too for other artists or are you just, just working on you? Um, I'm trying to just focus on myself, but mm -hmm. with that, like, um, like I still have an incredible amount of independence in mm -hmm. what I'm doing with my music. Cool. So outside of the label stuff, I feel like there's always things like going on as well. So um so like even being there like i just love making music uh you know last week there was an artist there who came in and uh worked with another person uh who works in the office was like hey i would love for you guys to meet and just hang out in the studio and we worked on some production together and uh, she was awesome the other day there was another artist who came in and uh, they were like, hey, can you, we're going to record some acoustic sessions. Can you help us engineer her and uh, got to meet her. So like, I'm really about just like, uh, like, I'm like, when I'm in that process of creating, I don't really feel like um, I come from a place where it's like, oh, I got to get something out of this. Like, I just love doing it. You know what I mean? And there's, and it's, uh, I feel like it, it's uh, like, I don't, I feel like there's an unlimited amount of potential to create. So it's not like, it's like, oh yeah, this is cool. But like, I'm always going to be able to make new shit and work on other stuff. Yeah. And all that. So I don't feel unresourceful or like, uh, that I have to like, kind of like close myself off or things like that. So when it comes to the creative process, any way I feel like I can be involved, like I, that's what I love to do. You know what yeah. I mean? It, you'd, have you ever had any, uh, you know, it, it, quote unquote, you know, writer's block or, or are you just sort of like a fucking well and you're just like, let's go. I'm just going to shit this out, too. Let's go. Like, yeah. No, I feel like uh, I feel like um, I've had moments where I, I almost want to call it writer's block because I would get out an album and then I would I would feel like I had nothing to write about. But I wouldn't force myself to write. I knew that I needed to experience life. So like it would come in this wave and then I would be like, I would, I would uh, let my, 
give myself the freedom to not feel forced to make it mm-hmm. and just go do what I, other things that I love and things like that. And, and, you know, play the guitar and, and, uh, work and play songs that I've already written and, 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 you know, perform and do things like that. And then, um, when the timing comes again, it's like, great. You can't for- make the flower grow kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I never really wanted to force the flower to grow. I wanted to just create the environment for it to happen. But, um, but right now I think, um, uh, um, with the new album was the most resistance I had faced. Uh, the one that we're not, not the one that's coming out, but the one that we're working on currently. Oh, um, it was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was different. I feel like I'd always made music just from a place of wanting to make music. And now it's really transitioned into more like, okay, it's getting serious the, the business side of things and all this. And uh, like, you are, you have to be held accountable. And before I didn't feel like I had to show up or, or oh yeah, got this going on you know what i mean yeah and so it, it um it it uh i don't want to say it put pressure on me but um it changed my perspective it also like and and at the same time paralleling that i'm my I, my values are changing in my life like i said so it's like uh i don't feel like you know getting in the studio and just doing a bunch of drugs or doing this so it's like now i'm in the studio sober being like all right how do you do this? And so there's a resistance in that naturally because normally I would go to those places. So, so um, I think that's been um, the thing that, and I'm really grateful. I feel like it's an opportunity rather than a, like a negative thing for me to understand how to work with what I'm doing right now. But it's been like, all right, let's try this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do, do you, do you feel like the work that you're doing with sub noise is, um, is sort of adding to that pressure or is it, I mean, is that is that a part of what you're doing now? Is Sub Noise a part of the next record? And yeah, so, so there and are they the ones sort of holding you accountable? And I'm not trying to say it in a bad way no, at all. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a part of it. Like mm-hmm. me committing to to saying I'm going to do this thing, right? Um, and then uh, you know, like being like, ah, I want to just fall into my old habits and being like, all right, let me just go smoke a bunch of weed, do this, go create. But also I'm like, I'm not a point in my life where like, I don't want that to be who I am. Like, I, I don't know how, how I can be a father in, in a few years or do this, you know, when the time comes, if I still carry all those things with me into it. So, um, uh, I think like having the dynamic of having, uh, having somebody telling you like, or not telling you, but you know, they're saying, Hey, do you agree to this? And I said, yes. And now I have to show up and agree to that. Right. It definitely um, changes the place that the music comes from inside a little bit and not a negative way. It's right. just a different way. And so, so uh, it's been, it, like I said, it's a really good opportunity for me to grow. And to, uh, I feel like we, I have so much music that I'm sitting on. Like I have albums of stuff that are in different genres and realms and music videos and all this stuff that we're just waiting to release. So I feel like it's, um, I have to not almost focus so much on the creative side as I was like, okay, how do I show up? Like I said, as a business person, how do I build this team out? How do I get this going? And how do we, you know, get on these tours and do all this stuff. So, um, so it's been, it, I've had to give myself, take the pressure off. Cause I know that the album I'm working on is due any point in time. Like, it's like, okay, it's going to come out when it comes out, but me being me, I'm like, all right, like, let's make this stuff, you know, let's do this. And uh, I think right now my main focus as an artist 
as much as the album is uh, is there, and there's a really solid foundation for the project or the new the next project coming out um, that I know that I need to be focused on uh, live performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like very great and comfortable in the studio, and I know that uh, the live performances there's oh there's a lot of room for me to continue to expand on it, um, and uh, I have ideas and visions for how it's going to be in the future. Whether it's like bringing a drummer on tour with us or having this and doing this. Um, cause, cause, uh, it's, I think, uh, and the more that I allow myself to focus on that, that the music is going to write itself. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is your uh, experience with the road? Like, uh, do you, do you play a lot? Do you, do you have a lot of experience on stage? Um, yeah, I have, I have, uh, definitely like a good amount of shows under my belt. I feel my most comfortable on stage. Hmm. Uh, like it really is, uh, like every time like i i don't even know what's related to i mean like you know it's like somebody who loves surfing or something you just go out into the chaos and you're so present and it's almost like i get on stage and sometimes like when i'm in my room or in a studio like i can't even actually get to that level energetically where i'm just like yeah just going off yeah but then when you have all the people around you and everything it's like an out of body experience, you know what I mean? And, and every time, like, I feel like I've shed something beautiful and I feel like that's almost for me, it's important to, to hold that reflection for the crowd. It's like, I have to go on stage and be completely free. And so that way they can look in that reflection and they can be completely free. Cause if I'm up there and I'm not doing that. So it's like, and I, I'm so stoked to be able to go do that in a place where people actually can benefit from it rather than just burning around in my room or screaming and things like that. But, um, but I've been doing a lot of it by myself uh, or with my DJ. And so like, he'll, you know, be in the back just playing the tracks and doing some cuts here and there and drops. And then it's me on vocals um, with a lead guitar. So, uh, so we'll have the back tracks in the, in the back, uh, the performance tracks, I'll, you know, do my verses and in between singing, just shred on the electric. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I would like to, I, there's always more room for I, me to expand. I feel like I, I, you know, like developing, getting my pedal board set up for my guitar. Like I said, getting a drummer on stage, which really brings a whole different dynamic energetically to everything. So, um, so it's exciting for me too, to have something that I'm like, Oh, this is my curiosity. Here it is again. Like yeah. I, I see it again. Yeah. Yeah. But the, do you, do you, uh, do you envision like a, even a full band experience or do you want to kind of keep it small and tight knit? The, 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 where I'm at with it now um, is like, I, I like the idea of having a DJ uh, on the back, doing the backing tracks with a drummer and me doing lead guitar. If I were to do a band, I would like to do it like your traditional, like um, three piece or four piece band. You know what I mean? Like Red Hot Chili Peppers or Blink-182 or things like that. Like those are bands that uh, like uh, that I definitely you know grew up listening to and to be able to, to do something like that would be amazing. Like, uh, it's just a matter of like, all right, do we have the resources to pay everyone to do right. this, do that? But I know that that's going to come in the future, but it's nothing that like, uh, I feel like super inclined to get into yet. I'm like, I don't even want to, to like, I, I you know, it's like, I don't even want to bring a drummer on as a bandmate. I just want to hire a drummer. Who knows, you know what I mean? Cause I'm yeah. like, once we start getting into a band, it starts getting crazy and I'm very much work good by myself. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's something that like, I'll probably, you know, I could imagine changing in the future, but it's something that like, 
almost gives me a little bit of anxiety too. So it's a, a fear-based response being like, I don't know if I want to do that. It's like, I know I could, but do I want to take on the right. responsibility that comes with that? Right. You And give up that sort of control and, and, exactly. and that vibe. And because like you're saying, man, like it's your vibe, like, you know, from, from, from top to bottom, you know, you're, you're in the studio, you're making the beats and something, you're doing some of the editing for videos, your the imagery and all the shit. I can see. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely work. The, prefer to work by myself when I'm working on my own stuff as well. Like, I don't like that. And uh, even because me and my wife will do stuff, it's like she definitely will hire a band. And it's like, this is how it is. You know what I mean? And then, and, and, yeah, you can have input and you can like, yeah. uh, oh, I could, you know, add this little fill here and it'll, you know, expand on it. But we are expanding on my ideas, and it's like exactly. <laughs> not your ideas, sir. Hey. And that's why and that's something we learned early on as well. Is where it's like, as opposed to just getting a band and and uh, you know let's start a band and be all creative and shit. It's like no, let's just pay people to play the music that's here, and because it's a little bit less. You know, there's just because it gets icky, you know, it gets a little sticky in those moments because I've been in plenty of bands where it just we're sitting there arguing. It's like, no, we're going to D minor, bitch. We're going exactly. to fuck you. It's D minor, yep. not G, bitch. Exactly. You know? yep. Exactly. <laughs> just these really ridiculous arguments that you have about, you know, because because music and art, we're passionate about our shit, right? Like we, we, we care. We care. We're sensitive about our shit. And so fucking when. We feel like it's getting stepped on. It's like it, defense mechanisms come up and totally. shit gets dirty. Shit gets real dirty yeah. real fast. Um, is there, what What are some of the benefits of being sort of on, on a label like Sub Noise? What are the benefits that you've seen? Because I, I, I talk to a lot of people who are on labels and stuff, and sometimes I feel like they're on labels that don't really provide much uh, other than just maybe like, funding maybe or or like because like i feel like a lot of the the deals that sort of go on these days is like so much rests upon the artists you know from marketing to all of this stuff whereas you know traditionally back in the day you would look at a label as like oh i'm signed to this label now you know i have like you know fucking i have access to everything now and and i realized that the the music business has changed a lot especially with the dawning of, of napster and streaming and you know, there, there's more opportunity for independent artists now to sort of get the attention of, of people, get into people's ears because we have more control over our own stuff. But yep. but that's also everything is on us. So is there uh, was there any what what noticeable benefits have you seen being sort of signed on to to sub noise? And, and, you know, if there's things you can't talk about, obviously, you know, that's fine. But uh, I would like to hear your opinion. No, I I, uh, I don't know if he's going to care if I say his name, but Kevin Zinger, uh, the guy who owns it, I mean, he, the guy loves what he does. Uh, he's extreme. I, he really, uh, I mean, he would, he, the guy, I, I'm like this, if if anything's going to kill him, it's the music business because he, in a good way, because he's, he, he like, I'm like, dude, you need to sleep. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, we got to get this done by any means necessary. Let's do this. And so when he's passionate about something, um, he really uh, like gives it his all and uh, he's gone above and beyond to, um, you know, do what he can to get the music in people's ears. Uh, he's been, and, and the team that he's built around him, um, they've all been just such a, a tremendous help. Like 
I, I don't even like I if I if it was up to me, I wouldn't even have a, a social media accounts. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't even if you go to my social media, uh, like half the time, like it's not even me posting stuff. It's it's <laughs> it's them helping me out, taking care, taking control of that. Um, like I always look at it like a ship where it's like, okay, we're all on the ship together and everybody mm. has to do their part. And if I, and my part is to create the music. Mm. Um, and so like, that is what's most important to me. And so, um, I think like being around them and also like sub noise, like, um, you know, they're, 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 it's SRH, uh, the, the clothing company mm. is, uh, mm. is the same. They're all tied in together. And that's stoners wreaking havoc, you know, supporting radical habits, skateboarding, dirt biking, surfing. And that's how I grew up is just like uh, we were gnarly ass kids. And so Kevin grew up in that. And I don't think that a lot of labels uh, I would be able to like have the communication that I do with him and have be able to like really uh, uh, relate in that in that aspect. Like, uh so it's he's kind of like an edgier like dude you know what i mean he's not there to impress you or do this he's totally himself um and so uh uh it's it's been really awesome working with them you know and um uh even when i started working with them like i didn't really um listen to any of sub noise growing up but but i know that um uh they own and work heavily with skunk records which is uh, Sublime, the label that Sublime is tied to. And I probably wouldn't have ever started singing or if it weren't for Bradley Knoll, because like I would sing along to him or something. And my buddies would be like, oh, you, sound, you sound pretty good. Like that sounds dope. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I remember uh, uh, when I was like 16 or something, my buddy had a, a, a vocal booth in his house and we were like drunk one night and I did a cover of... Uh, uh, I can't even remember what Sublime song it was, uh, Ruka or something. Yeah. Uh, one of those slow, slower ass, like weird ones. And um, uh, so that was like knowing how much like Long Beach Dub All-Stars, like Opie is the lead dude. He drew the Sublime son. He like being around those guys, um, when the opportunity presented itself, it seems so in alignment that I would have been crazy to not be follow that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's, it's been super dope working with them and just uh, having, having them to kind of give me some, uh, uh, you know, uh, give me some game as far as like what they've experienced as well too. And uh, like I said, Kevin is um, uh, extremely hardworking person. Just really good dude. That's awesome. So they've sort of been able to take up some of the 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 business side that you just aren't really interested in doing. Yeah, they they've been. Uh, we've really been. Uh, the 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 thing that I feel like uh, uh, if I had to highlight one aspect is they really understand uh, the radio side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they they when sub, sub noise bef- was back in the day uh, before they kind of uh, went on pause for about a decade with after the cottonmouth king stuff they they kind of uh, you know expanded in other areas they they accomplished what they accomplished pre prior to the streaming uh, age mm-hmm. and so they understand the touring they understand the cd say the you know the physical copies they understand the radio stuff so um it's interesting i feel very grateful because i feel like we've almost gone backwards um, because we're getting so much radio attention right now 
And I feel like it normally doesn't start like that. Right. And then I'm like, okay, now I need to make uh, my, I need to build up my social media. So it doesn't look like I'm not doing anything. And it's normally you'd start with the social media and then work on this and do that. And it's like, all right, we're at the top. Now we got to like go back and make sure everything's doing this. So, um, so I think uh, that's one thing that's been really, uh, really amazing to, to just be able to like have my, have people that I haven't talked to in years, call me and be like, oh, I just heard you on the radio, dude. Or my mom be like, oh, yeah, you I heard you on the radio. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's that, that, that hits different for sure. Yeah. Man, that's really cool. That's really cool. I, I just hear so many times, you know, just so many like not nightmare stories because there are some good labels out there, especially the people that I've talked to, you know, they've been you know, really grateful for what they've done, but but it, it's really cool that you get sort of they've given you sort of that freedom just to focus on creating, and and not have to be you know bogged down by all the other shit. And and, and, and even when I think the thing that's dope is because they even if uh, like uh, because it's not like I want to be resistant to trying those things, mm-hmm. but I can comfortably express my resistance to them. Yes. I'd be like, oh, I fucking hate this and not have to worry about it. They're like, no, we get it, dude. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, so I think that's the thing, like feeling comfortable in my own skin to, mm-hmm. to, to vocalize my opinions and to know that it's like, I'm not saying that, you know, shit because I, I I'm uh, ungrateful or things. It's like, this is just my way of venting and moving through it and expressing right. where I stand with it. So that way I can shake it off and be like, all right, let's do it. Like, let's uh, like, how do I do this? Yeah. No, I was talking to an artist not, not too long ago and, and they're signed to a subsidiary of Sony and, you know, it, they've put a lot of pressure on her to, do more social media so like and, and she's a very closed off private person yeah and she you know and, and i'm not saying i'm not trying to put words in her mouth or anything because she's you know she's doing great but but she did sort of express sort of the uh, the uncomfortableness of having to sort of put yourself out there and they want her to do more like hey look at me i'm doing TikTok. this it's, yeah <laughs> They're like, I will I'll throw up. <laughs> and, and, and I'm very grateful for her to come on the show because she is a very busy artist. And so it was really awesome for her to come on and express herself freely. But but yeah, to, to have that sort of uh, looming over your head where it's like, you got to put up like three TikToks a day. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. fuck, dude. When do I actually like, when do I sleep? When do I eat? When do I actually create? <laughs> you know what I mean? If, <laughs> So it, that's really beautiful that you sort of have that relationship with with a with a label with a with a like a, a bigger indie label. This is you know they they represent some really really cool artists. So man, uh, fucking Kaleidoscope kid, I have had such a great time talking to you. I I feel like we could go on for days, but my ass is falling asleep and I have to pee, <laughs> and I bet you probably have to do similar things. So I I really appreciate your time and you know like the conversation. I I just. I love talking about this shit, man. So uh, talking to you was really natural. So I really appreciate that. Totally. And uh, do you have any parting words you would like to leave with uh, with our audience today? Um, go check out the album, April 22nd, <laughs> The Kaleidoscope Kid. <laughs> Get that shit in there, April 22nd. Uh, and again, everybody, if you're listening on the audio, go and check out the, the link in the show notes. And of course, if you're in chat, go ahead and click on those links. It'll take you to the pre-save, take you to the to the websites, and make sure you get your get that shit. Get that shit. Don't be sitting on it. Let's go, let's go. <laughs>
you so much, Kaleidoscope Kid. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your truths with us, sharing your amazing peyote story. That shit is fucking bananas, bruh. Bananas. Oh, my God. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I could imagine. I mean, I'd probably do something like that. It sounds fun to me. I mean, shit. Uh, it's, he said it sounds like uh, it, the, 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 the high is like, you know, mushrooms mixed with alcohol. So that's my shit, bro. I, I, mushrooms and alcohol is my shit, although I don't do it much anymore. Um, you know, I try not to drink as best as possible, but whatever. Things happen. Uh, I have been clean and sober off of the Mary Jane for about two months now. And I gotta say, I'm sleeping better. My moods are a little bit more regulated. Uh, my cardio is is back. I'm like, I'm killing it in the cardio. So, you know, I think I might stay off the devil's lettuce for a while because I'm really enjoying a little bit of clear-headed sobriety. I feel like I'm not going ooh, mm, ooh, mm, as much. You know, I just, it's such a, I'm such a stoner boner. I'm such a stoner boner. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep clean. Uh, for a while and uh, see what happens because it's been a while i mean especially when the pandemic kicked in holy fuck my face was i getting high so you know it was two and a half years of just abuse just straight up abuse so we're gonna give it a rest for a little bit my brain is firing pretty sharply these days or sharper than it was when i was high all the time so there you go We'll see what happens. We'll see if I ever smoke or eat any weed ever again, which I probably will. I mean, it just sounds nice. I mean, honestly, it sounds nice to just get high right now. I would love to just step out on my porch, smoke a doobie, and fucking come in and just chill, brah. Chill. But uh, that's not in the cards right now, so... All right, guys, that is a bit out of me. A bit? That's a bit out of me. That is a bit out of my... I don't know what the fuck, bro. I'm, I'm so tired right now. So, All right, guys. I'll talk to you guys next time, next week. I don't... Uh, uh, Robbie Gross is coming on the live stream. So we're going to have a couple more uh, podcasts coming up on the audio side and on the Twitch side. So it'll be a good time. Sports podcaster Robbie Gross. So that's coming up. Mythic Politics obviously is coming up here on the audio side or you can catch them live today at 4 p.m eastern standard time at twitch.tv slash we speak english good go get yourself some twitch.tv slash we speak english good all right friends love you long time uh you know fucking be good to your fellow human beings hjs for everybody i'll talk to you guys soon bye-bye